0: Welcome to another edition of Mass, Mats, and Mayhem. I am your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me on Twitter, at JustinHarvey75.
1: And I am joined today by my co-host. This is Casey Nielsen, a.k.a. Lucha Gringo, at Lucha Gringo on Twitter. What's up? And uh,
0: the ginger fart box, Byron Turk, is not here today. Mm-mm. He is MIA. He's up in the mountains, or fishing, or camping, or doing Dead. something... Clearly, that is not as important as this. He's decomposing in my locker. I don't know what I you know if I had my choices to be on vacation or to be doing the podcast, I think I'd be doing the podcast. right? This is like a vacation every week. It is and and it's fun and it's exciting and and I you know, Byron's going to miss out. Barnes gonna miss out. We have lo- we got lots of free stuff this week. We got all sorts of swag here that he's not gonna get a part of. He's- oh yeah, dude! The trampoline was a surprise. I, d- I didn't even see that coming. Catering brought by some lovely breakfast. This is just for Urban.
1: Sounds delicious.
0: They brought by some uh, muffins and all sorts of stuff to the studio today.
1: We got good stuff here. Yeah, shout out to Craft Services.
0: <laughs> um so anyway, very exciting week in MMA and Lucha Underground. Yeah. As I'm chewing, this has got peanut butter on it. They're gonna take forever to chew. <laughs> Urban, you didn't tell me I shouldn't eat peanut butter, man. I need like to take I need to take podcasting lessons from Urban.
1: Somebody get this guy some milk, please. Oh. Craft services? PA over there. What's up, PA? Get this guy some milk. Oh man. Chop chop.
0: It was a big budget show here, guys. Big budget. Uh, but yeah, shout out again to Urban, J-Man, uh, love those dudes. And in fact, if you guys are fans of theirs, you'll want to stick around because uh, second half of this podcast today, we're going to talk some MMA today. We're going to start with Lucha first this week, um, but stick around because J-Man did me a solid because we knew Byron's sorry ass wasn't going to be around this week. So J-Man, mm-hmm. he's been wanting to talk some MMA for a while. So we d- I recorded a segment earlier in the week with J-Man and um you guys stick around to the end and check that out because that man does not just know his wrestling; he knows his MMA too. I mean, that awesome. dude's doing three heels, one face. He's doing last real heels about lucha, and now he's coming on MMM show and talking MMA. This is the most well-rounded
1: podcaster out there, people. Yeah, we should <laughs> replace Byron with him totally. Just uh, yeah, with just phone calls from J-Man can have replaced Byron. Yeah. Exactly. Just talking
0: about J man could replace Byron. It it, it happens. So. Mm-hmm. Sorry about your luck, Byron. Maybe. Just maybe we'll let you back on the podcast next week. Sorry um,
1: about your damn luck, son.
0: Before we jump into Lucha Underground, uh, we've been talking about this a little bit and and fans of Lucha bear with us here because this will this will play and this will relate to you guys too. Um but let's talk AAA for a minute because Ooh. there's been a whole lot of Craziness going on with one Octagon Jr. Tell me what you know, Casey, because Casey's got like this wealth of knowledge, people
1: that you guys probably don't even realize he's got. Okay, if you haven't like really learned about this yet, look up the Octagon Jr. Octagon video. It's an incident. You just look it up on YouTube, you'll find it. It, You'll find it immediately. Basically, Triple A had an Octagon Jr. once, Uh, it was Callisto from WWE. But, you know, Pentagon came after him. He had to flee the country and change his identity. That's not what really happened, but that's what I tell people happened. (laughs) And uh, basically, he just said, guys, don't give me this fucking character because I'm going to go to WWE. They did it anyway. He went to WWE just like he said he was going to. And they didn't have an Octagon Jr. And, you know, they have a Pentagon Jr. They debuted at the same time to be enemies with each other. So... Flamita worked for AAA for a while. They even came up with a new character for him, Fireball, and a slightly different mask and everything. And he would do some shows, but he also worked a lot for Dragon Gate in Japan. Right. So he was over there a lot. And, and he was doing Dragon Gate as Flamita, right? Yeah. Okay. And he was still Flamita there. And when he, and they're, they were always saying, we're going to debut him and we're going to give him a huge push when he comes in, once he's done with his Japanese commitments. And what happened is, They brought him back, and they made him Octagon Jr. again. Now, there's a problem with that, though. Between the first Octagon Jr. and the second, the original Octagon fucking left AAA. He's claiming ownership of the character. If you look up the copyright laws, he doesn't have ownership of the character, probably. Probably. But, but he's, he's certainly a,
0: salty. Yeah, he is.
1: <laughs> he is a bitter, angry, drunk old man. And basically, what he wanted to do is name his own Octagon Jr., which the reason he did is because he wanted someone to pay him for the fucking gimmick to pretend to be his son. And that's happened before with right. a certain blue masked wrestler, allegedly. You guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, he's currently missing. On, MIA. Yeah. <laughs> We don't know where he is. But anyway, um, Octagon Jr. does the gimmick. Octagon starts going on Twitter, calling him a midget, calling him gay, like all of this stuff, right? Oh. He's, he's just completely – this man should not be on Twitter. And uh, Flamita just says, hey, look, I'm professional here. I was given the character. I'm just doing what I was given by a major promotion – And I'm treating the gimmick with respect. I'm sorry that we can't see eye to eye on this.
0: This guy's basically just showing up for work.
1: Yeah. It's like, hey, okay, if you had a job in the biggest promotion in your country and they told you to be Iho de John Cena and you weren't really his son, you'd fucking do it just so you would have a job, right? (laughs) So it's like, this guy, this is the biggest push of his career probably because if you look... Laparka Triple A. He was originally a fake Laparka Junior. They just dropped the Junior. Right. He's huge. He's their main eventer and has been for years. So it's like this. This would benefit him to be Octagon Junior. Well, then there was the incident that I told you guys to look up, where Octagon Junior was at an autograph signing and Octagon fucking showed up with guys with guns that were his bodyguards. Yeah, he came strong. Yeah, he came yeah. real strong and, and sh- real drunk. Yeah. And uh he started, you know, he started like a physical altercation, started trying to rip the dude's mask off and shit. It's all in the video. Watch it. But lately this week there was a long Facebook post by Flamita as Flamita saying that he's leaving AAA now and he's going back to being Flamita, which sucks because I was hoping it would not go that way and he wouldn't cave. I mean, he was completely professional during this con- this confrontation that happened, right. and I don't think I would have been. I, I think I would have tried to be Mr. Tough Guy and got myself shot if I was in his fucking you, position. You, you would have, and yeah. you'd be dead
0: right now. But yeah. at the same time, I, I don't know if it would have gone that far, but it was certainly a vicious confrontation if you watched the video. Yeah. There was certainly bad intentions there, and I don't know. I mean... It feels to me like Flamita didn't even care that much about the gimmick to begin with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So maybe to him, he's just like, you know, good riddance, whatever. I'm not dealing with this BS. I've got some other opportunities out there and maybe I can go
1: somewhere else. And he's already getting booked other places, which is good, as Flamita. Right. And it's like, you know. Well, so then that brings me to my question mm -hmm. of our favorite
0: other place, which happens to be lucha underground now mm-hmm. lucha underground however does have some ties to triple a mm-hmm. would it be a bad look if flamita were to show up with a gimmick whether it's flamita or something else in lucha underground um with the situation with triple a like is he leaving triple a on good enough terms do you think that would put lucha underground in hot water if they were to bring him in what, what are your feeling on it
1: well i i think that we already have an example of that right now uh if you look at Rey mysterio Right. He's supposed to be completely done with AAA right now, and he's still in Lucha Underground. So if he's the one that sets precedent, he's a pretty big one to do that with. But if we see other people follow suit, it's all good. I know there's a lot of money issues with AAA, allegedly. Uh, Dude's not getting paid what they're owed and all that, and it's it's almost sounding a little ECW-ish sometimes. Right. So maybe going to Lucha Underground and getting a little extra money is the way to go for some of these dudes that aren't getting used anyway. And it's like uh, with the change in booking in AAA, a lot of the guys that were Conan's guys aren't getting the pushes that they got when they were Conan's guys. So if they can go and get push elsewhere, make a name for themselves, that's the way to go. Not saying Flamito was one of Conan's guys. I don't know. Right. But he's young and a good wrestler, so he probably was, you know, because that's the kind of stuff that Conan was trying to do. Well, I mean, who's who's in
0: Lucha right now that has still strong AAA contracts or affiliation? You got what?
1: Drago. Drago, Taya, Ar- yeah. Aerostar. Yeah. Um, Phoenix. Phoenix, Pentagon. Yeah, Pentagon Jr., and not a whole lot more really uh, I but mean, I mean that's that I Mil mean, those, Muertes, are, those are some stars that you really can't afford to lose so right and Mil Muertes is probably the highest up on AAA cards. Right. So it's like, he's he's probably the one... Now Pentagon's getting main event matches too over there. But that might in part be because of Lucha Underground. I mean, he got over so huge in Lucha that he's almost undeniable anywhere else now. He did, and he in a very short period of time, he was kind of the top heel that they had because everyone else left and Perro died. Right. So he was like the top heel, uh, and... You know, there's, there wasn't a lot to choose from. So it was him and Phantasma is the, the biggest Rudos in the company. Yeah. And so he kind of got pushed up to main events, not just because of Lucha Underground, but also because he got to do a lot of uh, high profile matches against Rey. And him hanging with Rey Mysterio really elevated him, which is cool.
0: Which is good. I mean, and that's honestly a guy like Ray that's been around that long. Hopefully he is giving the rub to some of these other guys. You know? Yeah. And it's so weird because even now I look at pictures of Ray and it's like, the dude still looks young. Yeah. But I mean, he started when he was,
1: you know, an infant pretty much. I, I think that he's coming up on 25 years as a wrestler. That's- Crazy, yeah, and That's he still wrestles crazy. like he fucking wrestles, and it's like, I mean, he's not as fast as he was, he's a lot bigger than he was, though, you know, like muscles wise. And yeah, but, it's but just at the same like, time, he still does a lot of high spots, he still
0: gets in there and works hard, he still, yeah. I mean, just running back and forth across the ring at my age. And Ray is close to my age, I hell no, man, I would be gassing like. T- two, two times around the ring, I'd be gassing. And Ray's it's fucking just...
1: crazy when you think about it. Cause I think I've been a fan of his since he was like 18 years old or some shit like that. Yeah. And it's just like, Holy crap. And then I've gone back and watched stuff before that. And he was just as awesome.
0: I mean, I was a fan of, of ECW Ray. Yeah. And I was, I think I was in high school then. And, and he was, I think Ray's maybe one or two years older than me. Yeah. But I mean, he looked like a baby. Then I probably looked
1: 20 years older than him. Then. <laughs> yeah, when he uh, when he went backstage, everyone thought somebody brought their kid to the shows. And then they saw him wrestle, and they're like, holy shit, dude, we shouldn't have said that. But, you know, my favorite Ray feud of all time has to be uh,
0: Unmasked Ray with Randy the Macho Man. I'm kidding, people. I'm kidding. (laughs) That's the worst Ray feud ever. He should have never lost the mask. I don't understand what WCW did at that point in time. It was ridiculous.
1: Favorite match of all time is him and Eddie at Halloween Havoc for the the mask versus cruiserweight title. That's huge. And that's still my favorite match of all time. That's
0: actually a really, 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 really good match, which I haven't seen in forever. I'm pretty
1: sure that one match of the year that year in both Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which it definitely won there, And like the Observer Awards, too, which when you look at the Japanese competition that year from all Japan, literally stiff competition, it's like it's a big deal that that one won.
0: Well, that I mean, so back to the Flamita thing. Mm -hmm. I I hope I hope he lands somewhere. Yeah, Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It'll be interesting to see uh, if him coming to Lucha Underground in some fashion is acceptable. Obviously, I don't think he'll be showing up with the Octagon Junior gimmick. I don't know what they're gonna do with that no. gimmick now, which
1: stinks because some
0: of those masks are dope. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> I've seen
1: them up close, and the, they're amazing. The gimmick
0: is one thing, but man, those masks are seriously dope. So and kind he didn't of a do shame. dumb
1: shit like get his mask tied to the ropes in every match, like Octagon does. Yeah. So you know that's they would always get you know the little headband and tie it to the ropes and beat the shit out of him. Um, Good times.
0: Well, let's see if he shows up. Uh, I don't know. In in other yeah. lucha related news. Uh, Carly, KLP, or Katrina, as you all know her and love her on the show, she did a a Squared Circle Reddit AMA uh, on Friday. Uh, Just wanted to shout that out and give her some love for answering my question because I asked her where the lick of death came from, if it was something that came up as a gimmick or if it's something she came up with. Oh, and what did she tell you? She said that it was her idea, and I was like, oh, what did you do to yourself? You yeah. Were you not thinking about it? And, you know, there was tons of questions on <laughs> who's the best tasting wrestler that you've had to lick <laughs> in the other. 70- and because, I mean, with a gimmick like that, that's obviously what you're going to ask because everyone sees it and it's
1: just like, oh, oh, Especially oh. when she has to lick Drago with all that shit on yeah, his face. Yeah, disgusting. Disgusting.
0: Yeah. Uh. She said Phoenix was the, the best tasting one that she had to lick. <laughs> I imagine that that's probably correct. He actually looks less sweaty and probably cleaner than most wrestlers. And he also doesn't have a weird latex mask or anything. So,
1: Yeah, because like, when we were celebrating with Drago after Believer's backlash, we had to like all kind of crowd around him and hug him and stuff. And you get kind of gross with all that makeup and shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just,
0: oh, man. that I... I, I, I I feel for all the wrestlers that have to put on makeup and a mask on top of it. Yeah. I mean, even Pentagon and in his deal, like, oh, I just wouldn't want to do it. If it looks like it would be just gross after, like, five minutes.
1: Especially if you, like, try to sell a mask afterwards. I mean, I guess that's a way to tell if it's ring-used or not from guys like that, because it would have, like, makeup and shit on the inside. You know? Right. But, yeah, man, I... Uh... I did not see that that AMA, but I do know that Lucha Underground is trying to make that a regular thing with Reddit. That right. They're gonna have people do that at least like once a month or something Which like that. Which
0: is another cool thing about Lucha is like they're just trying to stay connected to their fans and because they're not as huge as WWE, they're they're using the avenues that are out there. You know, their social media department is always on top of it because yeah. a lot of people can't necessarily watch the episodes at the same time or, you know, to build the hype up. They they release a lot of gifts and stuff mm-hmm. like that that other promotions don't do. So you can see some of the action. They're doing
1: stuff like using Reddit and Facebook and Twitter. So exclusive videos on Twitter. Yeah. I mean Which we got interviewed for. I think we can say that. Yeah, which yeah. was
0: really cool. And I actually kinda wanna talk about that because one of the things, you know, um and, and we'll jump into talking about the episode in a minute, but one of the things that's cool, like this past weekend for me, it was probably one of my best uh, experiences going to Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. You know, we show up there in the morning, you get, you know, you wait in line, you get to hang out with all the the cool Lucha Click people that show up there and, and lots of great people in line. Like if you do go to a taping, just start chatting with some people, you know? Most people are really friendly, and once they know you're a Lucha Underground fan, like, you have more in common than you would ever even realize. And challenge me to the wrestling name game, because I will fucking destroy you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like, I haven't even thought about trying to challenge Casey (laughs) Mike. My memory of wrestlers' names is so weak, especially my ability to recall them quickly. Casey will destroy you at this game. It's amazing. So if he is doing it, just watch him do it because you, it will blow your mind. Like you, you, he can remember wrestlers that you saw one time in 1983 and you yeah. will remember their name. I don't know how he does it. So, yeah, I just, it doesn't leave my brain. I don't know why it's just, doesn't so I mean that's the first part of the experience you get down there and you're hanging out with people waiting for the gates to open then you go in and there's the the worst part of the experience which is you got to get through the lines you got to sign non-disclosure agreements and yes everybody who goes signs a non-disclosure agreement so if you're seeing spoilers from those
1: people believe me they're getting banned from the temple
2: yeah shout out out to the
1: they they are so banned yeah yeah shout out to the dumbass from prowrestling.net that got himself banned by not only posting spoilers but putting his name on it Smart move, dude. Yeah, don't don't say you're reporting live from some place you're not allowed to report live from.
0: <laughs> not not really very smart. And and like believe me, there's stuff that we would love to talk about that we yeah. just we don't talk about it cuz we have respect for the product. Those guys know us. They've asked everyone, everyone, not just us, everyone like, "Hey, don't don't leak stuff." But
1: Before every show. Yeah. Every single show.
0: Every single show, don't do it. Don't leak stuff. Don't leak spoilers. Don't leak your bodily fluids. Mhm so but so this week this past weekend was amazing on sunday um we we actually got pulled out by uh some of the online guys and a few other people did too we weren't the only ones i know a lot of people saw the pictures of us on twitter and thought we were immediately you know working for the company or something we weren't we're just pulled out of line because we were there early we'd like to though um yeah i'll take a job um but so they pulled us out and they were just talking to us about like why we like to be believers, what we think is cool about Lucha Underground, who, who our favorite wrestlers are and whatnot. It was really cool. It was just like, oh, sweet. I hope they use that. And honestly, I was happy to do it because I hope that other fans who are doing it were as excited about it as we are. <laughs> yeah. You know, they picked the right guys because we were the ones were like, yeah, dude, we love Lucha Underground. So hopefully we we brought some excitement and we didn't look like too nervous. And we're definitely not shills in the fact that we don't get paid to love this
1: <laughs> right it, i mean we would be a fan even if we weren't going to the shows yeah. and just watching we would TV. gladly take checks to do this but we don't get them so or just like permanent seats
0: yeah. yeah permanent seats would be good yeah i don't even know if i'm getting my next ticket request oh
1: did it's, you get the it's one? a weird process guys, yeah.
0: because some people who have been going for a long time get a little bit of advance notice some don't i try to get some tickets on my own this time and i normally go on other people's itineraries and whatnot it's a complicated process. It's still worth it. So if you get a chance or if you see the the public notice for tickets, you know, I almost don't want to tell you to try to get tickets cuz I don't want you to take my spot. Yeah, your It's a pretty limited space, yeah. but at the same time, I still want everyone who's a real wrestling fan to get out there and see it live at some point in time cuz it's so amazing.
1: How many people is it supposed to hold? It's I don't 2 know. or 300? It's, it's
0: a it's a few hundred. It's 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 under 500 sure. Definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's it. That's it. That's who gets to see a lucha taping. They do two episodes. Um, so this past Sunday, I actually wore a vintage 21-year-old Vampiro shirt. Such a sick shirt. Um, and I had I had shown uh, Eric Van Wagnon, who was uh, the executive producer of the show, was really cool, hung out with us and talked to us for a while before the show. Um, just a really nice guy. And I work in reality TV, and he's worked on Celebrity Apprentice and some other reality stuff. So we were yeah. just kind of shooting the shit about reality TV and like had more in common than we knew which is really cool you know there's a guy who's running the show yeah. who's like kind of from the same world i'm from you know yeah, he's definitely. one of the showrunners.
1: he he's a good dude man um
0: so big props to him too, just for hanging out. I mean these, and these are the guys. This is an executive producer. People, he could be in the back sipping lattes, but he's out in the front. He's talking to believers. He's just trying to see what's going on with the product, gauge the kind of the temperature, and and see what how yeah. people are feeling about stuff or whatever. And he talks to a lot of people. You know, he's just out there, you know, shooting the gift with people. And sometimes DJ will walk around and do it too beforehand. Usually in the temple and not outside. Yeah,
1: and and Chris Roach too. He yeah. he
0: always at least says hi. You know. I mean, so nice guys who are running this show, too. Definitely. Like, When was the last time you saw Vince McMahon standing around out in front or Stephanie <laughs> or Hunter, one of these guys, you know, out at the line watching people sign in or whatever and talking to them just like casual and real people? You know why? Happen, it's because folks.
1: Lucha Underground doesn't fucking have active contempt for their fans. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, and you you actually missed this because
0: I think you were still outside during the intermission. So during the intermission... Vampiro, you know, he comes out to kind of get people hyped up. And this isn't a spoiler, folks, because this will not be on TV. Um, He comes out and he gets people hyped up. Before the show, he was talking about China a little bit and gave mad respect to China, which was really, really cool. Got everyone fired up. And then the intermission between the the tapings, because you're there for a while, you know, you got to get a breather in there. Um, He comes out after the intermission and he's just kind of talking and he's talking about old school and how much, you know, Lucha Underground means to him. And he's backing up towards me and Byron. And then all of a sudden, this fool turns right towards me (laughs) and calls me out in front of the whole temple. Like, hey, this fool's got on a 21-year-old vintage shirt from the very first tattoo I ever got. That's old school. That's hardcore. That's the real shit right there. And I was just like, uh. But, I mean... I just roll with it and like, it was amazing to me. Like, I got called out in front of the whole temple, you know, for my love of the sport, for my love of Vampiro as a character. And let me tell you this back then, I had a grip of wrestling shirts, but I Mm -hmm. had no individual wrestler's shirts except for I had a Junkyard dog and I think I had, uh, I don't even think I had a Hogan shirt. Like, I had an NWO shirt. Mm -hmm. I had a bunch of ECW shirts, but they were all just ECW. There weren't any wrestlers. Yeah. Vampiro was the only wrestler that spoke to me enough as a character for me to buy specifically his shirt.
1: That says a lot, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: so mad loved Vamp and Striker and Evie Dub and those guys for for hooking me up with an awesome moment. I yeah. know Casey's
1: had some awesome moments in the the Temple too. Yeah, I mean Believers Backlash season 1. I mean, there might there might be more who knows well dude let's let's be honest your face appears a lot yeah yeah uh i i think the editor just like showing my face i don't know i didn't see you this week i uh um... no i didn't either like i could see myself in the audience but i didn't get any like close-ups or anything right i didn't get my seat that week that's why you didn't yeah. you weren't
0: in the same spot but no. i saw j-man and ashley were there i saw um... i think
1: i was kind of next to j-man actually
0: yeah, he seemed like he moved around, and they could have yeah. been using shots from other times, too. Yeah, that's true. Because what happens, guys, is when you're at the temple, if they're filming a dark match, sometimes they'll, they'll roll footage on the audience, and they'll be able to cut it in. And here is a little inside secret that I will tell you, because I don't think this is really a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been having trouble with the Johnny Puto chant and they've been having to edit it out of TV cuz
1: i think network is just like network yeah, that's doesn't like it a little it. too far across the line so guys <laughs> please chant johnny Culo. i've had yeah. to i've been told to tell everyone in line at the shows not to chant johnny, johnny puto and johnny it's instead yeah johnny Culo, johnny gordo johnny anything that isn't johnny puto okay <laughs> and this is this is a shout out cuz like i think a lot of the people that listen might be the people that go to the tapings right well, just don't so. do it it costs them money to dub Johnny Zero money. over us every week. Okay? As much
0: as much as we wanna give Johnny all of our well uh, well deserved hatred.
1: Um and it's like I love the guy. He's super fucking nice and yeah. he's a and good he's dude. really over as a heel finally. Yeah, it's just that if he if you're gonna be that much of a heel, I'm gonna boo you. Like Jack Evans, I'm always gonna give that guy shit. But in real life, I hope he gets better, man. I heard he broke his jaw. Yeah. Jack, get better soon, buddy. Well, let's let's be honest. That's
0: probably the best thing ever that he broke his jaw because now we don't have to hear
1: Jack for a while. Oh, I see. I think that should be like part of his gimmick <sighs> that he gets his jaw wired shut and then he still tries oh, to yell and he's that just would like be so uh, awesome. Uh, you know? <laughs> and then then his partners have to like you know. Oh, that fool! Translate. Love you know? that dude though. Honestly, he he is probably one of my favorite
0: pure heels out there right now. Like, and if you try to chair for Jack just because he's so awesome, he will he will make you hate him. He will mm-hmm. he will center you out and point right at you and say something nasty about your mother if he has to. He does not yeah. want to be your friend, especially at a show. So whole victory at fake ass dreads. Like Oh that's, my God.
1: Yeah that's that's fucked up.
0: I mean dude is just vicious. He is like on time as one of the best heels of all time. Yeah. Um, but yeah so I also well what I was gonna say is I think a lot of our, our friends like Gus Gus got on this week yeah. and Ashley and J-Man got on, and I think part of it was they were trying to chop up the audio from the Johnny Puto chants yeah. during the Cage in a Cage match. Uh, so big props to all the Lucha Click who got their faces on TV, but you know, at the same time, everybody don't chant Johnny Puto anymore. Yeah, we got we gotta watch that <laughs> shit, guys, seriously. Um anyway, so let's we talked about the Lucha Live experience and and You know, this podcast is not just, uh, I I would say we do more of a Lucha breakdown anyway than just necessarily a review, so we like to talk about other stuff, but let's get into this episode because there's only two matches this week. Yeah, and two awesome matches. At first, I was just like, dang, only two matches, but at the same time, that second match felt like three or four different matches anyway because of... What was going on, and different guys were
1: working for different parts of it. And, and like they timed Rey the commercial breaks to the like perfectly to split it up into separate matches. Almost.
0: Yeah, dude, we're talking about a match that had, what, three commercial breaks in it? Yeah. It was amazing. And um, the Cage match had one commercial break in it? I think so, there? yeah. It's hard to even remember. So the first match up is Johnny Mundo uh, versus Cage. Love this yeah. dude. Love this dude. Um, Both these guys, man. I, yeah. I, and Taya, too. Honestly, Taya... Taya, for the amount of work she's done over her whole career, which is not actually that much, I am very impressed with her still. Even from uh, that cage match that she had as her
1: debut singles match or whatever, oh. I'm still
0: impressed. And that was like a month and a half ago that that
1: aired. That superplex to the tables on the outside was fucked up man yeah and
0: i mean and she's working with two badasses in this feud um you know getting to work side by side with morrison Mm -hmm. and cage and and at first i was a little worried that she wasn't going to get a lot of time because of it but i kind of like like where it's going um the only part about her gimmick that i haven't liked was when the sync was off on her audio last week but i won't get into that
1: (laughs) (laughs) see you know what's crazy though is you know she got she got involved in this match a lot You know, climbing up and down the cage and all that. That's not easy. That almost ended Sting's fucking career once, you know? I mean, so what, she climbed up with the the belt and... She got the kendo stick inside the
0: cage. Right, which is every, every good partner or valet's or manager's responsibility. If you can't get the kendo stick into the cage during the cage match and you're a heel manager, you're fired. Yeah. You are just flat out
1: freaking fired. And that led to my favorite spot of the match. What was your favorite spot? Okay, so... You know, Mundo beats the shit out of Cage with the kendo stick, right? And then Cage gets it from him. He keeps swinging. Mundo's doing all this parkour shit to get out of the way. And then Cage throws the uh, throws the kendo stick at him so that Johnny Mundo catches it. And he kind of spears him into the corner. And then he picks up Mundo, hits him with the the Alabama slam... And as he hits the mat, the cane pops up, and then Cage just catches it in one hand. Fucking beautiful, like that. I even said after the match because Eric walked by us. I'm like, that that cane spot was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Like it, it was fucking amazing. That's situational awareness, right there, man. And that was all one take. That wasn't some shit that they had to do a bunch of times. Like you know, if something goes wrong. It might get cut from TV, but they're not going to repeat the spot well, usually. You know?
0: Surprisingly, a lot of things that I've thought were slightly blown spots have not been cut, and they just roll with them. They might cut yeah. it a little bit faster so the things move along because they've only got an hour of show; they can't waste a bunch of time. Like yeah, like last really week with slow, Aerostar.
1: yeah, like he was hurt a little longer than they right. should. Yeah,
0: so they sped it up, but they still left the botch in there. Yeah, they didn't take it out. Like they're not they're not by and large trying to lie to the audience. When really they could.
1: Yeah, they could I mean, do whatever this is a they want. TV wanted. show
0: people, they have editing. I mean, and honestly, they could do it like stunt performers. Like sometimes when they've ring announced something wrong, like if Dario or Melissa has, has announced something incorrectly, they'll just redo it.
1: Or the time that Dario, like his voice was like, oh, completely broken. God, that
0: was hilarious. In fact, I think that was one of the first tapings I was ever at. Yeah. And back then, they also used to cut all the promos in English and Spanish. Right. So Dario would do all his promos both ways. And uh, I th- they pretty much stopped
1: that now, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And uh, Van- like, there was another one. Main characters will just speak
0: English, but like Spanish-speaking AAA performers or whatever, they they just come and speak Spanish, and then
1: they just translate it one way or the other for the different broadcasts. But I took a, I, I remember when uh, Vampiro did his promo for Ultima Lucha uh, <laughs> on TV, Whoever edited that together was a genius because there were so many fucks and shits that got cut (laughs) out of that. And I heard they have to do it on commentary too. But uh, I'm like, oh my God, that was a completely different promo without all the swearing and calling uh, Pentagon a motherfucker and shit like that. I, I love
0: the fact that Vampiro on commentary is always pushing it past where it's acceptable because then by the time they do bring it back down, it feels like he's riding the edge of what is allowable the whole time. I mean, he always gets in a couple comments that are kind of slightly questionable, like, damn. You know, and Striker pushes, <laughs> pushes it a little bit, too, but Stryker will try to skirt around it or try to, you know, use a double entendre or something funny to, to not say what he means, and Vampiro will just flat out say it, and it's just hilarious. Yeah,
1: like, like, he'll say, I don't fucking like that guy, <laughs> and he means it. He means it, dude.
0: <laughs> Vamp is just a, a shoot of a man in yeah. general.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. Um,
0: so, uh, you know, talking about Taya given this match, uh, she had the top of the cage dive. Yeah. Which was awesome. We saw a top rope moonlight drive, right? Yeah. From, from Johnny that just fucking looked like it wiped cage out. Which, yeah. I mean, six, six spot. And then cage, especially for the first half of the match was just power spot after power spot. We're talking power bombs into the cage oh, left yeah. and right. Just like. I don't know how he got through that match without gas and with all that muscle because he was throwing
1: Johnny around. Dude, that press slam, he hit him in the side of the cage and then Mundo bumped into the apron between the ropes and the cage was pretty nasty, man. It's like, kudos to Johnny for bumping so fucking much for that stuff. Not that he would have had a choice. I mean, but again, this was just another one of those matches where it's like, holy crap, man. And this is how
0: they started the show. This is the first match, high profile and, oh, and not to mention the stakes of this match are for an Aztec medallion. Right. Um, don't forget that because, you know, they downplayed it a little bit because the match itself and the gimmick with the cage was so huge. But, you know, this was an Aztec medallion. And if you're don't, if you not following the show, you get the seven medallions are all given out as prizes. And then they come together in the gift of the God's Belt. And those
1: seven people who have won them get to fight for basically the number one contendership. So, yeah. And then you can cash that in kind of whenever you want. It's not like money in the bank, but you got to give a week's advance notice so that Hefe can properly promote the match. And this is one of the few things that Dario doesn't screw people over on. So
0: if you can get a sure thing in the temple, uh, you have to go for it and you have to fight like your life depends on it because there's there's no other sure things in, you know, it's a a guaranteed unique opportunity as opposed to one of Dario's sketchy pull-it-out-of-his-butt unique opportunity.
1: And it's a it's a guaranteed sick ass multi man match too to unite yeah. all the medallions, which is always fun.
0: Um so let's talk about the well and so uh cage goes over.
1: Yeah. With the also, Steiner screwdriver onto a fucking chair. Yeah. Yeah. Huge closing spot. Um I love that move so much since the Nintendo sixty four days, man.
0: It was great. I mean the whole end of that match and uh and Ty got handcuffed.
1: I'm not gonna say I was mad at that. She got handcuffed <laughs> to the cage so she couldn't interfere. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's why she was handcuffed. I didn't yeah. know that's why she was handcuffed. It, 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 I just. I kind of lost track. of I know. What was going I know that you kind of. Like you kind of phased out a little bit. there. Yeah. I
0: was just like. I was. Well, first of all, I was. I was popping crazy when she jumped off the top of the cage. When she even got in the match. I mean, I. I didn't really think it was going to end well for her. I kind of felt where it was going. But, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, with the handcuffs and everything, but you know. I can't say I'm mad at tie-in handcuffs. Just not going to, you know, I'll, I'll move on. though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our next match, and we're not, there wasn't a ton of backstage segments this week because um, a lot of things have already been set up. So, but our next yeah. match is huge and dario comes out right at the beginning of it to give us a little bit of announcement and mm. an announcement before a big match is usually not a good thing when it comes no. to dario it usually means a bad stipulation for somebody or there's yeah. some other kind of twist and it was some other kind of twist this time it was the fact that one of the unlikely trio of uh son of havoc evilice and Angelico was not going to be participating in the match today. And it was Angelico, one of the best high flyers in in Lucha Underground, which, by the way, is insane to me because the dude is super tall.
1: Yeah. He's like (laughs) 6'2", probably 6'3". Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not really the (laughs) size and shape of the guys that you normally see flying around like that. But yeah. Which is a shame because you know a lot of people I think were looking forward to on Helico being in this match and seeing what he could do with all these performers. He's wrestled yeah. almost all of them before,
1: uh, except maybe Ray. And it's not too inside to say that that was a legit injury that took him out for quite some time. Yeah, I mean it cost him the AAA Tag Titles also, and uh, which he held with Jack Evans. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean it sucks because the unlikely trio keeps getting hurt. Like, somebody gets fucked up, you know? And it and, and it, it is a
0: shame because, you know, and especially for the workers, too, because workers, they, these guys have put in a lot of work for a long time to try to get somewhere in their careers. And then unfortunate stuff happens like this, and it's not really the company's fault, but they can't push you if you're in a hospital bed. Right. <laughs> There's just nothing the companies could do about that. And it's like, here you have this great trios team. They got lucky with Ivelisse's injury that it came towards the end of season one and she was still able to, to actually go out and, and work and make sense of the storylines and, uh, and kudos to Lucha underground for actually leaving the belts on those guys during that. where um, here we are leading into this huge trios match and there's no on Helico. So evil and uh son of havoc. I keep wanting to call him by his other yeah. <laughs> names. It kills me, but son of havoc uh, they're going into this solo but that doesn't mean they don't have a chance, except... <laughs> right?
1: Right? Right? I mean, some of the other teams don't get along so well, you know. Well, I mean, which team? Like Joey and oh yeah, the Ricky the and uh, team 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 uh, police and there? Cisco. Yeah, <laughs> the cops. Uh, well, not Cisco. Now, would Cisco
0: would would Cisco lose his damn mind if he knew he was wrestling with a bunch of popo?
1: I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Cisco doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's doing everything on the up and up in his life. Not no. to say that he's shady. I'm just
1: saying like Cisco seems like he got some street sense, some some street knowledge. What if he's been Councilman Delgado's employer this whole time? We don't that know what he's dope. up to. That would be dope. But, but we got um, Phoenix had a team with Jack Evans and PJ Black, but Phoenix was tapping into his dark side and doing some fucked up shit during this match.
0: Phoenix actually seemed like he was jiving good with those guys like Phoenix. But see, here's Phoenix. He's a smart guy. He knows how the temple works. He's got an opportunity. I think Phoenix is just like, I don't care who I'm with. I'm just rolling with this. I want gold again. Yeah. You know, he's one of the few guys in Lucha that's held gold and he, he knows what it takes to work your way back. And if that means dealing with the, you know, the two biggest, you know, gringo Rudos in the, in the game, that's what he's going to do. And he just went for it. And I think uh, some of his spots were ridiculous, man. I, I, Getting into the match, like, and and, and let's not forget that Rey, uh, Puma, and Dragon Azteca are in this match, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> Especially... Just those three guys. Yeah, major. Uh, who get along and are fucking awesome, but... Uh, and they're the new Lucha Dream Team. Yeah, they, they are. They are the new Lucha Dream Team, and... But Phoenix, man, if he wins this match... If he won, he would have every title in Lucha Underground.
0: Which is kind of what I was hoping for, to be honest. I was really like... Because Phoenix is weird because he's super over with some people and other people he just doesn't seem to register to. Yeah. Which it ticks me off. They just kind of lump him into... Especially a lot of the American fans have noticed just kind of lump Phoenix into the generic luchador kind of category. And it's like, no, man... Phoenix is not yeah. on jobber status like that. He's not getting faded out like Kalisto and WWE <laughs> like Phoenix. And, and this match should prove it to you. Like Phoenix is still top notch, high caliber luchador talent. Like right. this dude
1: is at the apex of his game right now. I think this might be the height of his career personally. Oh yeah, definitely right now um and it just keeps going i mean grave consequences remains one of the best matches in luch underground history
0: yeah absolutely and i think people forget about it cuz it was kind of you know middle of season or whatever and storylines kind of moved on from there but no yeah. it's just amazing and i uh, love seeing him in this match and the other thing i like about this this match too is you've got pretty much people from all the different styles working in there you know, you've got a lot of different styles being showcased in this one match. And the first segment, I kind of broke this up into my mind. The first segment, I was super impressed once
1: again with Mr. Cisco. Yeah. Yeah. He was awesome in this. I've been a fan of his like forever though. Yeah. Like, um, you know, since shit, probably 2007. Um, so, you know, like a good nine years. And he's super nice. He comes out and talks to the fans that are waiting in line and stuff like that, too. So he's not only an awesome wrestler, but a good dude. Well, I'm always happy to see him get some success Yeah, here. and he.
0: I'm glad he was in a high-profile match. Um, I'm just kind of wondering at this point now, does he need another gimmick? Like, is there something else they can do with him? He's a solid worker, and he's yeah. always going to get matches, but i like... I kind of want to see him get over and like, if he had a, a, a gimmick like famous B or, yeah or like um kill shot has been getting and some of these other just weird backstage gimmicks and Cisco has been thrown into a couple of them, but yeah, you know, like I, I hope that the, the Joey and Reyes thing doesn't th-
1: overshadow him. Well,
0: either. no, but I hope it plays into him somewhere. Like, I hope that he gets a little bit of the rub from that too, because yeah, dude, his in ring work is amazing. And even when he's just bumping for these other guys, like you can't have huh. 11 of the best luchadors and well, or 10 of the best luchadors and one luchadora yeah. in the ring at
1: one time and not have that one guy in there that can take those, the bumps like Cisco did. Yeah. And he, uh, I do also have to shout out the psycho realm, his finisher with uh, Cortez. Cause that's a fucking awesome move. Yeah. It's, it is awesome. Um,
0: oh God. The thing that cracked me up on commentary during this, this part, striker and vampiro are, Throw out a, what about bail? Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> and I love I love the announcers. And that's one of the things I love about Lucha Underground, too. The announcers aren't privy to the backstage
1: segments, at least not in the storylines. No, and we're not supposed to be either, which is why we don't chant Popo at um, fucking Joey and Cortez. Right. I
0: mean, these cinematic features. And, and it's like I was just watching some WWE this week. And... It's like everything that happens backstage. AJ Styles goes backstage and, mm-hmm. you know, his buddies show up and they're talking. But then the announcers are referencing it because they're seeing it, too. And, yeah. And it's a fake setup where it started off as an interview and then they push the interview out of the way, which they do every week now, by the way. Like, has is anyone in WWE allowed to get off an entire interview anymore? No. But in Lucha the announcers don't know what's going on. The the people in the, the believers don't know what's going on. Like the backstage segments are just things that exist outside in the cinematic world. And they may play into the cage or not, but you don't reference them. Striker and vamp don't reference them. Right. Ever, ever. It's just a, it's just a cool little thing about Lucha, why it's different. You know, you You may like it. It may or may not work. You know, maybe it sucks that the,
1: the announcers can't, use that stuff to promote but I think it's great but it's also it helps the storyline because it doesn't make the wrestlers look stupid for not watching their own show right and like yeah oh you betrayed me and then it's like oh I could have just watched last week and I would have seen you planning to betray me backstage right but I didn't see that you know
0: and it helps. Yeah. Otherwise, everybody would be on to uh, Black Lotus
1: right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> She'd be in a world of hurt. Right now, the, the actual like, roster probably has no idea who the fuck she even is. So it's <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Like, is she going to make her way ringside ever? Oh, my God. She's got to get in a feud or something. Well, she did once because she dressed up as a production crew member to try <laughs> to, like, secretly stalk Dario. But I think that's all. She's got to get
0: some ring time eventually or some something. She can't just be bodyguarding the door. She didn't even actually get to
1: bodyguard Dario. She's just, like, guarding the door in the hallway next to the water cooler. Right, and not guarding the door in the temple that all of us fans can just walk in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And ask for unique opportunities. No one has done that recently, though. No,
0: no. No one has done that. Somebody should do that. Just knock on Dario's door and say, hey, I'd like a unique opportunity. I sit pretty close, but security there is scarier than lotuses, so... Yeah, security at the temple's no joke, man. And, who, and to whoever brought in a sharp object that one time, please don't come back. Yeah. We don't need any of that, man. I, Banned for life. Please. I can't even wear my wallet chain anymore because of some other idiot that, like, I don't know, hit somebody with his wallet chain by accident or something. Oh, Jesus. At least hand it to the wrestler to hit somebody. Come on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I just use mine because I lose my wallet. Um, yeah, me too. So... <laughs> What what oh God, Joey and Eva Lee. She kicked his fucking ass. Oh man, like they started working and dude, Eva is still really, really, really over.
1: I mean, she's over. Yeah. The yeah. crowd freaking loves her. And it's also like we like everyone just feels bad for her for getting injured in the first season, too, you know? Like she was still defending the trio's belts while injured, even though she wasn't doing much. And that's like such a huge baby face move. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so it's like, okay, well, it worked. I mean, the, yeah. the decision to put her out there in the cast was probably a
0: very smart decision because she hasn't even been working all that much this season. Like we've seen her a lot mm-hmm. in backstage stuff, but, and they've had a couple of matches, but they haven't been focused on that highly this season mm-hmm. in general. I Except mean, for her getting a ton the... of
1: time. The title match in the first episode, though. Well, no, was, that was great. Yeah.
0: No, she got uh, she got a huge push right out of the gate. Yeah. Then they got the team back together, and they've had a few matches. Like, yeah, it's been slow, but it's like every three or four episodes when you see those guys.
1: Yeah, and it's you know it's it's pretty much that same breakdown for everyone, right? Uh, you know, like we hadn't seen Pentagon in a couple weeks. We didn't yeah, see yeah, but Matanza. when some of those
0: guys get their segments, their segments are bigger and yeah, and, and more impactful than I think the the unlikely trios
1: have been. As Which sucks, because if injuries keep happening and they have to break up because of that, it would really suck.
0: And honestly, I felt like the crowd during this match watching it was a little ticked that Lee's wasn't working in the match more. They can't be too ticked though, because come on, there's 11 people competing in this match.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of spots to be had here. It is kind of crazy how they did the that four people had to be in at all times. Right. And that... Could have been a hideous clusterfuck of a match, but this was really good. No, it was surprisingly
0: good. Um, So, what was the first elimination? I- Lee's put out Cortez, right?
1: Yeah, because he didn't want to tag Joey back in, so he got rolled up and pinned. Right. So, the police can't get along. Nope. Cisco gets fucked just by association here.
0: Which is great, and hopefully that keeps that storyline moving along, because I want to see what happens with them and Captain Hotness and Councilman Delgado and where that whole thing is going and the mysterious employer and the the mysterious benefactor of the the councilman.
1: Whenever they do like a mystery person that we don't see on this show, I get obsessed with trying to figure out who it is. Like I've been, you know, the whole Matanza thing. Like I was so fucking into that before he debuted and I still am because they just made him so awesome. Yeah. But so, Hey, if that's the precedent here, whoever the employer is, is going to be someone pretty cool. I bet.
0: Who knows, man? I mean, they got llamas to come out to just right. be the councilman. Maybe,
1: maybe they're just gonna hang on until they get a big guest star, and it can be like, we have. I work for the governor, and have it be Arnold Schwarzenegger. That, that would, would be, be amazing. amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. I'm aiming high here, folks. So.
0: I don't know that that's that high because I don't think it's a secret that that you know Mark Burnett's company does this show, and they also do The Apprentice yeah that's true and arnold's the star of that show so maybe uh, that could be physically possible maybe they have some sway (laughs) with the Gubernator, and they could bring him in because if he were the guy oh my god and he's in cahoots
1: with dario plus that would pop a huge ratings number and then he'll be like thanks for getting rid of the guy that stole my name of conan (laughs) oh Why's it got to be like that? Yeah, he'll just go up and shake Mil Muertes' hand, you know?
0: Mad heat. Casey's, yeah. Casey's causing beef with the, with the governor and Conan.
1: Oh, I love both guys, though. Don't get That's me amazing. wrong. Uh, I, you, you're going to start a feud, man. You're going to start a feud. Well, I don't really love Arnold. I love Conan the Barbarian. But right. Conan the Wrestler, that dude's dope as shit, man. I love that guy. He's great. And he's helped out a lot of people, whether you love him or hate him. He's,
0: he's put some paychecks in some people's pockets, so you can't yeah. hate on him too much. You know, he's helped out a lot, a lot of wrestlers. Yeah, exactly. He may have screwed over a couple wrestlers to do it, but at the same time, you got to think a lot of it was out of just love for what he cared for. So, yeah. Um, So that was the first elimination. Um, And then the good thing about some people being eliminated is that
1: that gives you more Jack Evans time. Yes, it does. (laughs) Wonderful Jack Evans time where he called himself the baddest bitch in the building. What
0: what would possess Jack Evans to do that? And it was so amazingly loud. <laughs> I mean, you guys have to understand if you haven't been to the temple, holy crap, it is deafening in there. Yeah, my ear is still ringing this week. It's Friday. We were there Sunday last. Yeah, and like I had trouble hearing on Monday and Tuesday, mostly because Byron claps like a broken seal. Yeah, I don't know he what does. he's doing. But anyway jack is louder than the crowd there's no microphone on jack people no like there's microphones on the cameras and these are not close-up shots so he's not really near a microphone
1: no and And he's louder than me dude he
0: is just the the hands down loudest thing in the temple at Mm -hmm. all times and it doesn't matter how hard he's been working how much he's gassing or whatever when he starts talking So loud. When he screams, I'm the baddest bitch in the building, I lost it. It was the funniest crap I had ever heard. Yeah.
1: I I was dying laughing at ringside, actually. Like, I couldn't boo because I was laughing too hard, which happens a lot with shit Jack says. My tweet last night was that, you know,
0: he was so loud in that spot that you could hear him on next week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he is that loud, people, and so entertaining, and I hate him because that's the way he wants it. Yeah, exactly. Jack, if you want us to love you, bro, you just got to let us know cuz we will. But yeah. if you
1: want the hate, so be it. You'll get it. Yeah, we will hate you more than we hate Byron, and that's really saying something. Yeah, you stink. You're <laughs> such a heel, Jack. We hate you.
0: <laughs> um So, who got the next pin-
1: uh, Oh, um Elise got, got pins by Jack because PJ did some P- shenanigans. PJ got the assist for that one. So they they're a good team together. I mean, I feel like Jack is replacing one awesome South African with a subpar South African right now. I do like PJ Black, but come on, second best South African, just second,
0: Yeah, he is my second favorite South African wrestler. Yeah, because <laughs> fuck Adam Rose, seriously. Uh, like for those who don't know, and, and Helico is from South Africa also and happens to be awesome. But like we said, was injured for this particular match.
1: Yeah, I can only think of like three South African wrestlers unless you want to count... Colonel De Beers, who was just like not South, South African. African, and his whole character was being a piece of shit. I guess we have the Truth Commission too, you know those guys. So, well, so
0: they, that still puts PJ as my second favorite. Yeah,
1: yeah, they're not gonna move the scale anywhere.
0: I like, I and I like, I like how he's been getting used. Like I did, I honestly thought when he came in, I was just like, oh, they're gonna put him in a bunch of like filler singles matches. You know, and tryouts against guys who are coming in for dark matches or tryouts or whatever. And I just like I had and I apologize to all the guys at Lucha. I I thought that they just weren't going to use him very well, Mm. but they did. Yeah. Putting him with Jack Evans is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, It gives Jack somebody who can work a few spots too to let Jack rest because as much as Jack is indestructible, he's got to. He can't work that rate for a half hour match.
1: And I was a little weary about that first segment and introduced PJ because it looked like he was trying to pick up dudes at hotels. Is that what he was doing? He was,
0: was he tapping his toe under the the stall? I think
1: so. That's what it felt like. (laughs) And then he accidentally did it to those guys that are in the mass that get beat up in every segment. That's a real problem in Boyle Heights. I cannot tell you how many times that we've been walking around. You know, we try to go to that liquor store around the corner to get a soda or something, and dudes in mass jumps, jump out and try to fight you. It's fucked up, and you got to defend yourself or you don't get to come to the temple. It's Boyle the Heights is a weird part of town, man. Yeah.
0: I, I walked up by that little cart where it's like a taco cart or whatever. It's yeah. around the corner. And uh, I can't even tell you what was going on over there. It was like two mariachi bands in a street fight. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Shit, shit's rough in Boyle Heights. Yeah, Boyle Heights is for real, y'all. Boyle Heights, like, and down where Lucha Films is kind of barren because it's like a, it's in like a warehouse district. But you go up a couple tree blocks and uh, there's some some realness. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. that was the second pin. Jack gets to go over. Uh, congratulations, Jack, because Yay. that's
1: what you get this week. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's it, and that, that's that, it. And, and then you get fucking worked the rest of the match because. But.
0: Here you go. Uh, this is the point in time where Ray, who has been kind of playing it quiet the whole time, and Dragon Azteca, who's been kind of mellow through this whole match, mm-hmm. they finally get to start putting in some work.
1: Because Puma was pretty much doing everything for the Puma team Puma was, yeah. And he
0: was taking a lot of bumps, too, for the yeah. first half of the and match.
1: And he was tearing shit up,
0: doing some dives. But, uh, oh my times. God, man. Like uh, Seriously, there was a lot of luchadors that earned frequent flyer miles in this match. Because at one point, I think there was like eight or nine dives in a row onto the floor, just sick action. Like if you like the high flying stuff and you missed this match, you need to get on iTunes right now and download this because there, I mean, like I couldn't even remember the spots. I was trying to take some notes or whatever for the podcast. Like I couldn't even remember how many crazy dives (laughs) over the, over the rope into the, the, the ground happened we should have counted that would have been kind of cool i counted i think eight or nine in a row at one point in time with no yeah. other spots and then it they was did kind a, of a train yeah a break in the action did some some chain wrestling stuff and then there were more dives
2: <laughs>
1: yeah
0: like just a crazy crazy match um and i'll also give pj credit in the last segment the dude bumped like you know, it came to the point in time where you got to see your baby faces, put in work and do some cool stuff. And PJ took, I don't know, like 80% of the bumps in the, the conclusion portion of this match. And I was yeah. very surprised to just like at how good his work was being on the wrong end of everybody else's moves. Um, and then, you know, I was a little disappointed that Ray didn't get a little more work in. Um, you know, Dragon Aztec and Puma did the double dive together to the outside. Yeah, perfectly timed. Um, but then Ray did his spots and here enough, sure enough, the dream team yeah. goes over and they are your awesome. new
1: Lucha Underground Trios champions. Huge pop in the temple, one of the biggest ones ever. Well deserved. Right. Fucking loved loved this match. This was just such a great match, and the right team won, I think. And I like this too
0: for a few reasons. Um, I think that as big as Puma was in the first season, this was a good way to keep him out of the title picture. Yeah, and Ray out of the title picture. Let all new faces
1: get in there. It also,
0: as much as we love Ivalice and and Havoc and and Helico, it it gives some more prestige to the trios belts to be able to say that these three guys wore the trios belts together. I think is huge just for the overall legacy of the belts and who the fuck is going to beat a team like that you know like that's that's huge right well i have a feeling that dario is going to have it in for these guys i think that that you know dario's love of violence is not going to be good for these guys because once you got those belts like in any promotion you're a target but now i think dario is going to not necessarily want to see them lose, but Dario likes competition. And that is part of what the the temple is about. I think these guys are going to be thrown some stiff,
1: stiff challenges and they may not all be fair. All right. Well, I hope so because that's going to make for some really interesting television.
0: Yeah. This is, this is some amazing stuff. So I really liked this trios match. Um, And again, I wasn't disappointed that it was, there was only two matches because I felt like this trios match at each elimination was almost like a new match was starting. So I yeah. felt like I was getting
1: three or four matches in this episode that really technically only had two. Right, and we we got one little bit of storyline after that, which is just some fucking cool shit. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. the part where... Uh... Where Emperor Palpatine comes in yeah. and uh, burns Darth Maul
1: yeah, yeah, in the this, face. This was fucking crazy. To get him out of his hover round. Yeah, Professor <laughs> Professor X Pentagon comes out and you know he's in a he's in a dark place and he's, oh, the, he's not just in a dark place, he's in a rascal. Yeah, he's I mean, he I know is, he I yeah. know he took this is all still from when he went through the announce table, right? Yeah, Matanza broke his back, man. And he's this is this is fucking nightfall Batman shit. He got his back broken by Bane and now he's gotta get himself uh back together again. But you know, Batman didn't have fucking vampiro pouring hot candle wax on his fucking face. That was a little kinky Vamp. Yeah, it I was. just
0: thought that was a little
1: I thought kinky. they had to do it on the face to make it a little less like that, because then you're like, oh that's <laughs> fucked up. He's basically melting his mask to his face right now. I like I mean, I love the the spot
0: and, and... In a week where we didn't have a whole lot of promos, I was like it was cool that they saved up a really, really big one. yeah, everyone has been waiting one. to see like how this vamp storyline was gonna progress with Pentagon, especially after how things ended with those guys in the first season and you know revealing Vampiro as the the master, the maestro. yeah, it was a pretty amazing segment, and I did think it was hilarious that Pentagon was in a rascal or hover round or whatever that yeah. thing was.
1: Professor X. Like
0: I was equally intrigued. Like I'm reading a comic book or watching a sci-fi show. I was also laughing because some of it was was pretty awesome, and <laughs> it brought
1: me to one question though: mm-hmm. How did Vamp get over there so fast? Magic powers, man. He's obviously using some kind of black magic. You don't just melt a black candle on somebody unless I he's guess doing he could. I guess he
0: could have some some in in the world of Lucha Underground. And which I really hope they do. If Vampiro actually has some type of vamp- vampire powers, mm-hmm. it would be mm-hmm. kind of cool for them to just kind of break that wall and go full into the... He's not just doing a goth gimmick, but he actually... Can turn into a bat or something. Yeah, or motherfucker turned into
1: a bat. Exactly. Actually,
0: drinking blood
1: when he goes off his meds. That's how. That's how he got there so fast. He turned, turned into, into a, a fucking bat. bat and flew there himself. You heard it. You heard it here on Mass Mats and Mayhem. First, I
0: guarantee you, no other podcast is talking about how Vampiro turned into a bat to fly to that
1: segment. <laughs> with exactly. Benagon. We better not wear our crucifixes to the temple just to be safe. Oh man, don't want to. Don't want to. You know. Repel Vampiro, he's our homeboy.
0: Well, so in kind of wrapping up the this Lucha talk, and I call these Lucha breakdowns and not necessarily a review, but in, mm-hmm. in this Lucha breakdown, what I loved about this episode is other than that segment, they weren't really creating a whole lot more. And this is something that I I have problems with watching other wrestling is that it feels like this never-ending chain of passing off gimmicks and passing off feuds. Yeah. And everything just keeps going and going and going because they want to rope you in. But at the same time, then it makes it feel like when you get to a payoff, there's no real payoff. Like, WrestleMania had no real payoffs other than the fact that we're going to write Triple H out of the storyline for a little while. That was it. That was pretty much the only, like, end to anything. And... That gave you Roman Reigns as champion. Yeah. Exactly. Like, the payoff wasn't even worth it. This episode was just flat-out payoff. Yeah. You've been working this, this Mundo-Cage angle for a while, and there it is. There's a payoff. You get mm-hmm. a Cage match. Johnny gets his comeuppance. Brian Cage goes over. They don't have to continue this thing at all. If they want to continue it, they can, if they want to pass it off, they can, but they could do it next week and mm-hmm. you're still satisfied. You saw a real conclusion to a storyline. And then the same thing with the trios match, like, um, you know, Angelico's out hurt now. So you yeah. kind of have a wrap up to what's going on with, with them. And you hope to see evil and son of havoc, probably either tag or in solos. Right. Um, you do still have a little continuation with the with the undercover cops guys or whatever, but the match still played out and you saw a finish and an ending to this story that's been building with the tournament. Right. And with the the dream team coming together, and now maybe their storyline can focus on going back to trying to to avenge their mentor or whatever, and you can just branch out into the next new thing. But it's something that Lucha Underground's doing that other places can't seem to get right. Like Yeah. Storytelling is about beginning, middle, and end. Casey's been a screenwriter. I've written stuff. Mm -hmm. Byron has. We'll all tell you, like, the key fundamental part of storytelling is beginning, middle, and end. Lucha Underground gave us an end, and we still want
1: more. And they're giving us two different distinct possibilities for the future out of both of those because there, there is moving on there. We have new champs, so whatever they're doing is moving on. And we have Cage has a fucking coin now, right. so he can concentrate on winning that gift of the gods and then winning the title.
0: Yeah. And it's not that there's not more to the story, but it just can't be this never-ending middle. There has right. to be moments of conclusion. Like, Cage can has his success right now, and he has his medal. I just thought that that was really cool um, <clears throat> with Lucha Underground this Definitely. week. Another stellar, stellar episode. And yeah. hopefully they can keep it up. There's a few more episodes left this season still. Yeah, quite a few, I think. I, I mean, remember. there are what twenty six episodes, so I think there's I think so. maybe eight left.
1: Yeah, seven or eight left. Oh, this is this is interesting. It's starting to get down to it, though. Yeah, because it, it's like, <clears throat> yeah, I know what happens somewhat. So you guys keep watching.
0: It's weird because I, I wasn't at a lot of tapings in this period of time, but then I was at Ultimate Lucha, so I know where some of it kind of leads, but I have no clue how it gets there.
1: Yeah, and I've been
0: to <laughs> every... i am really excited to see how this stuff kind of...
1: Shit, man, I've been to every taping this season, and I still won't, don't know how a lot of shit got to where it was going, and I'm so excited just to see the backstage segments that I'm going to keep watching the show every week, even though I was and there. so far, those segments have really been tied yeah. together
0: perfectly, and I mean, I think that this. Vampiro and and Pentagon uh, Won this week will Helps a big jump in the storyline I mean you know now that Vampiro Is back there and he is the thing That is getting Pentagon fired up You know literally (laughs) To uh, get back in there And get it done And these segments are only going to get more fucked up, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it's leading somewhere because we got to get to some big finale stuff now. And they've got Mm -hmm. the room and the storylines to work it. Middle of the season is done, people. We're heading towards the finish line. So I would expect some big, big episodes of Lucha Underground and some big setups probably in the next couple of episodes would be my guess. Yeah. So we shall see. Um, We are going to talk a little bit about MMA. And Mm -hmm. this week we have a very special guest that called in. So, without further ado, I'm gonna go back to that piece of tape from J Man. We're gonna let you guys listen to that, and then me and Casey will be back and we'll talk a little bit about our thoughts about what's going on in MMA. All right, joining us right now on Mass Mats and Mayhem, we have one half of the first. Lucha Review podcast out there, people. That's right, the first one, one of the best ones out there. I listen to it myself every week. Not that you guys shouldn't listen to us too, but one half of the last real heels is here with us today. j man, how you doing today, brother? Woo,
2: oh, brother, I'm doing well. What about you, man? There it... you're the woo. Lucha requested a woo from you.
0: There it is. Let me give you a
1: woo.
2: Yes. <laughs> Uh, The Lucha Lucha Underground review, that was not us that said we were the first. That was what we were told by one producer. I'm not going to name any names, but that's what we were told. So, uh, Well, I mean,
0: even if somebody did beat you guys to the punch, you were certainly right there at the beginning, at the forefront of all of this and and what a lot of us are doing, simply because we all love it. But you guys have put in the, the time, brother.
2: Well, it's, it's all about the love of the, the products, man, the Lucha Underground, and it's the best fucking wrestling on cable. It's, it's the best TV show, man. It's not even like the, you know, it's crazy. I'm drinking some Scotch, bro, in the rain, 10-year-old, on ice, n- no mixer.
0: You know, when, I, when I'm relaxing, I like to get a little bit of ice, a little bit of Kettle One, nice and mellow.
2: By- Byron loves the vodka.
0: Yeah, he's a Tito's guy.
2: Yeah, he left some over
0: here. Uh, I'm not surprised because he's wasteful.
2: Yeah, I don't understand that guy. You know, we can get into that for a while, you know, but I know we're going to talk about the MMA today.
0: Well, and that might be the thing that surprises people. Like, the reason why we wanted to have J Man on the show and the reason why uh, the Mass Mats Mayhem podcast is kind of set up the way it is is because a lot of people don't believe this, but there is a huge crossover still between wrestling fans and MMA fans. And even more niche might be the fact that some of us are Lucha Underground heavy fans and MMA fans. But I know that you and Vinny Massaro and a few other people have been like, oh, dude, I want to come and talk about some MMA too because I'm talking about wrestling all the time. So I thought no better week than this past crazy, crazy, crazy week in MMA to get the J-Man on here. So we could talk a little bit about UFC 197, maybe some of this crazy Conor stuff. But uh, so I mean, like going back to this past weekend, you watched the fight, right?
2: Yeah, I was. I didn't. Uh, I was recording a Three heels One Face uh, during the prelims, so I only caught the main card. I, I had to cut the podcast off. I was like, "Yo, we gotta cut it." We ran long. I was like, "I gotta catch this main card because I ordered, you know, in the, in the fucking pay per view. So it was like sixty bucks for the HD. Oh, so you, I was like, I can't miss a minute of this. So I gotta get in here. And, uh, yeah, I watched the main card. I didn't, I didn't catch any of the prelims. I have the fight pass, so I have them. I can watch them. But uh, Right. Well, I mean, yeah. the
0: prelims were, were not that much to talk about. I mean, I think that the main card really brought us some crazy stories. And, in fact, I, I want to go right into the, the Barbosa-Pettis fight. I know you and I were texting a little bit about it earlier. Um, on, on this show last week, I said that uh, I thought Barbosa was going to get the win. And a lot of people gave me crap about that, but I just feel like Edson Barbosa is kind of on the way up. And Anthony Pettis has been, you know, I'm not saying he's not great, but he's had some hits and some misses, you know. What would you think about that fight?
2: Man, Um, I thought Pettis would come back because, he, you know, I always – because he was running so, so strong for so long. And, uh, you know, he came from the WEC, and then I know he lost to Lee, but then he came back and – uh got that title and, and uh you know he looked really good for a while he had a highlight real kick in the wc and
0: uh yeah that was a definite highlight that's an all-time highlight by the way that should be at the beginning of every mixed martial arts show for the rest of time that highlight coming off the cage and all that crazy shit that he's done
2: yeah man for sure and uh i couldn't believe uh i mean he felt this is like his third straight loss you know yeah and that that, that That's crazy to me. You could not usually get fired
0: for that. It's weird to me because I think he resonates as a champion in our minds because he had the belt for so long, but he actually only defended it one time.
2: He he was on that Wheaties box, though.
0: And and he was on Ultimate Fighter during that time, too. So, I mean, I think that that, that carried his fame. You know, we're all going to the grocery store, seeing his face every week and then seeing him on Ultimate Fighter. And I think we all thought that he was maybe better than he actually is.
2: Yeah, man, that's definitely a possibility. Um, The the fight, though, you know, he he didn't, like, get completely demolished, you know, but it was definitely one-sided, pretty much.
0: And that's kind of what worried me about it, because, like, with a Clay Guida, everyone knew, like, okay, Pettis is a little more of a banger. He wants to stand. He wants to get that flashy shit in there, you know, but so with clay guida it's like i get it clay guida is a nasty grinder who just put his chin on your face and rub it around like he is that grimy wrestler so i get it like it, and there's not that many of them out there so i figured okay you know that one we gave pettis a pass then he comes back he's got his belt you know and and um he took care of what henderson And he took out Gil Melendez with that guillotine in the second round or whatever. So it's like, you know, he looked like he was on top of the world there for a while. And this fight on paper, a lot of people thought was a great fight for him because Barbosa's a banger. He's going to stand in there, he's going to trade. You know, um, Pettis has a win over Cerrone, and everyone figured, okay, well, you know, Cerrone can beat Barbosa, then obviously. You know, and Pettis can beat Cerrone, then sure. Logic tells you that Pettis should be able to beat Barbosa, but I just don't know if after those injuries and and a couple of losses that he sustained, if he really had everything back. And honestly, he looked pretty good in this fight, but he just couldn't get there as quickly as Barbosa. Barbosa was just pulling the trigger on this fight.
2: Yeah, man. He he clearly uh, he was clearly out there to prove that he he hadn't uh, fell off and. Yeah, he did. He he looks really strong. You know, he had that. He had a highlight reel that wheel kick a long time ago. I think it was in a Brazil card. I think it was Terry Adam or something. Right. That British guy. He had that wheel kick, and then he kind of won a few and lost one. Won a few and lost one, but uh, you know, if he can stay as Chris as he was against Pettis, I think he can really maybe get a get a run going.
0: Well, I don't sure. know. I mean, he might have some problems too because I think. I think Pettis stood at the exact wrong distance to win this fight. If you look at the cowboy fight, cowboy worked a little bit closer to Barbosa and it threw him off. He couldn't get those leg kicks in, he couldn't get off some of that that stuff on a grimier, dirty boxing kind of fighter. But it turned out, you know, I think from this fight what nobody, even some of the best analysts out there really saw happening was Pettis pretty much stood right at the end of Barbosa's kicks. They had kind of the same repertoire and the same stuff, but Barbosa was just able to pull that trigger faster. He got off faster. He got off cleaner, and it just turned into, I wouldn't say a miraculous win, but a pretty surprising win for the real MMA fans out there that are in the know. I mean, that was a good, solid win for that guy.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely has a lot of uh, credentials to his resume, and I like to see where he goes next. You know, there's. Uh, there's a lot of people in that division, you know?
0: Well, I mean, everyone says that that is a, a murderer's row division. That's the, the, the 155 division is just hell on wheels. I mean, it's part of why you see Cowboy trying to jump up to 170. It's why you see Benson Henderson jumping up to 170 over in Bellator. And I'm here to tell you, if you guys didn't see that fight, that was not a good look for Benson Henderson. Uh, Koreshkov won all five rounds, hand down. Benson did not look good. And it wasn't a fun fight to watch. Like, don't don't, don't go back and watch it if you missed it. It's not a good fight. Uh, Benson just didn't look like he was able to compete with the strength and power of a real 170-pound guy, which begs the question to me, uh, if Ben Askren beat that guy, and now he's off in one FC or wherever on the other side of the world where you have to watch him at 3 in the morning, like poor Ben Askren, where are you brother? Get out of the, the, the minor leagues and, and come back and fight someplace real. Cause if you're beating up guys that are beating up Benson Henderson, you should not be fighting no names over in Japan. That's, that's, you know, complete aside. But I mean, you see a lot of these guys jumping up to 170 now um, because that 155 weight class is just vicious. I mean, I think that honestly, I'm surprised uh, RDA still has the belt. That belt, um, to me, is one of those belts that I am—I um, expect to change hands once a year almost. I don't expect anybody to really reign for a long time, and I think that's why I personally picked against Pettis. I just think that this is—it's yeah. going to be a revolving door at 155. I think all these guys are great. I still want to see all of them fight. I'll still pay money to watch Pettis fight. You know, it's just—it's yeah. just a tough, tough, tough weight class.
2: Khabib's my dude. Khabib, that's your call. Yeah, I like Khabib, man. He's
0: my guy. Well, and, and and to Khabib's credit, I mean, his last fight was great, but it was a, against a relatively unknown guy who, you know, had had a few yeah. Bellator fights, and it was on short notice. But Khabib has just had a terrible string of luck, too, not unlike Anthony Pettis. And I'm starting to worry about him, too. It's like we need Khabib to get back in there against the top guys. You know, he's got this unbeaten streak, but I think I, I want to see him get the time, get some rounds in. With some of these guys that are on that murderer's row. And and fine, let him fight for the belt. I don't care. But, like, we got to get Khabib in there. And now he's waiting, Uh, going to sit out Ramadan, I think. So he's not going to probably be back until late summer, early fall at the soonest. So, I mean, he keeps having these things that kind of take him out of the conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, he has had several setbacks. But, uh, you know, I mean... Uh... It's A-B, A.B. Dos Yes. like, I mean, it's just a fight. You know, they can mark the hell out of it. It's a money fight. You yeah, know, it's, sure. the,
0: it's the fight I want to see, you know. I mean, right now, RDA is going to be fighting on a fight pass card, which is amazing to me.
2: Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah.
0: like, I, I look, I have fight pass, so I'm like, I'm stoked. But, man, the people who don't, like, dude, you're going to miss a huge title fight that, that week of UFC 200 because it's going to be just purely on fight pass. So, and it's I would. It's a oh. I, I wish Khabib was in that fight. Yeah. I mean, that's the guy. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, and and one of my favorites at 55 is El Kakui, Tony Ferguson. I just think yeah. I'm amazed by that guy every time I see him. Not because I, I thought originally that he was the best in the world, but he's a guy that I think is putting it together Like other people aren't doing. I mean, every time you see him in the cage, he's coming with something new. He's coming with new darts chokes or new jujitsu or new boxing or, you know, or wrestling stuff. This guy is very quickly becoming a really well-rounded fighter that I think people are going to have to reckon with. And even if he doesn't win the title his first time up to bat, I think he's one of those guys that he's going to be around another six or seven years. And I think he's going to put the hurt on a lot of guys at the top of of that weight class too. He's another one on that murderer's row. Yeah,
2: i am sad that happened. I really wanted to see them two tie up. That oh, was a great one.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that was one of the fights that I was looking forward to in in this stretch on this current cycle of or whatever UFC's calling these cycles these days. That was one of the ones I was really looking forward to. And it's uh it's a darn shame that that fight didn't go off, but uh, again, it doesn't matter because hey, let me let me see Barbosa and Kakui now. I don't care. Put them in there with yeah. anybody. I'll watch those fights. I mean, they're just exciting. And those are the guys that are going to mix it up and really show you something. And speaking of just flat-out murders, Demetrius Johnson versus Henry Cejudo. This is a freaking Olympian. A, a gold medalist to boot. Not even just a regular Olympian. This is a guy who got all the way to the big show for wrestling. The biggest show you can get to. And won it all. And... DJ just put it on this guy. What, what did you think about that fight?
2: I was man, I thought, like, you know, uh, Henry looked really strong at the beginning, you know, with his takedowns and stuff, you know. And uh, But then just Demo- Demetrius, he just changed his game plan and just killed him, you know. He just killed him. And, and how good is that guy, you know. Uh, when he was at 135, you know, I thought he was, he fought Cruz for the belt, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, and he came up short, and I was just like, "Damn!" Because I, I, it felt like he would never beat Cruz when, when that happened. Right. And they made that one twenty five, um, and now he's just the king. And I don't. And now it's like, who's going to beat this guy? And I don't see. And I, I just I didn't
0: imagine that was going to happen either. I, I, to me, when they created the one twenty five, you know, and I had even heard kind of talk of this that 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 weight class was pretty much created for John Dodson. And John Dodson yeah. fought Demetrius twice and could not get it done. <laughs> you know, I mean, DJ is turned into a monster. And Cejudo got the takedown in that first round. I was, I saw that takedown. I was like, oh, snap, here we go. DJ is finally, the code has been cracked. You know, this, this is yeah. it. Cejudo's got the secret weapon. He's going to take him down, grind him out. But DJ, DJ was up in... I don't even know how fast.
2: Yeah, he just knows what to do at all times, apparently. And he can just stop an Olympic-level wrestler and knock him out. And just, I mean, I I just want to say, what's next for him? You know, what do you, I mean, who's there? I don't even know who's there. He's beat Ian McCall like twice, I think, hasn't he? Or um, I'm not sure if he's beaten twice. But, I don't know. Uh,
0: I mean, uh, that's what. But that's where we're at. That's where we're at in this division. There's a couple of guys maybe that he hasn't faced yet, but they're not the top of the division. Uh, John Dodson's gone up to 135. I mean, he's he's literally sent probably the other best guy in the division packing. You know. Yeah. And Dodson stands a a good good chance at 35 of doing some real damage and probably getting himself in the title mix up there. I mean, he's got a win over T.J. Dillashaw, given it was an ultimate fighter win, so it's not a, a recorded win. Um, but, I mean, he's the guy who took D.J. Dil- Dillashaw out and kept him from being the ultimate fighter champion. And now he's up at 135. I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, a lot of people are calling for D.J. to go up to 135. He doesn't seem like he wants to do that. He seems like he's content to just demolish all of Anderson Silva's records and stay at 125. Um which I don't think is going to lead him to big money or, or big accolades during his career, but I think after his his run in the octagon, people are going to look at DJ and they're going to not not even with a question are going to know he was one of the greatest of all time.
2: For sure, and no, I think that's that's what what he should do. I think just going to one thirty five, man. He's I mean he's a really small guy. You know, I, I don't know. You know, um, Dominique Cruz as long as he's there. He beat him really convincingly last time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not him, but that's a big risk, you
0: know? Yeah. And, you know, you might not think that 10 pounds makes that big a difference in some of those weight classes, but for a guy like Dodson, I, he fought at 155 for half of his early career because there, he couldn't find fights at lighter weight classes. So I think he might be a little more prepared for it. DJ might not be able to go up. And I know a lot of people think that he should go up to cruise and just to test himself. But why? I mean, the guy is at a weight class. It's a weight he can make. I mean, he should be, if he wants to, if he doesn't want that challenge of being up at that weight class, he should be allowed to just dominate his weight class. I mean, we've seen dominant champions before and yeah, they do get boring sometimes, but you know, at first you might be bored with them. Like everyone was bored with Anderson Silva's run for a while. And there was a period in time where Anderson Silva was not that popular. Same with Jose Aldo. But then after a while, you're like, wait, now I'm starting to appreciate this. What this guy does is an art form, and I will pay money just to watch him run over somebody. <laughs> you know, and hopefully, I I hope that DJ gets to that point where people are actually excited about just seeing him put the hurt on somebody because that's what he does every time.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, these highlight reel knockouts and submission stuff. I mean, they're gonna start catching people's eyes. For a lot, you know, at the beginning he had some decisions and stuff, and that kind of, you know, uh, people that kind of people don't like decisions as much, you know. That's, right. just, that's just they just don't like it. Um, but now that he's really just been demolishing guys the last few times, so um, I hope he does start getting that recognition. You know, he deserves it.
0: Well, and he, uh, yeah, like this was basically a knee that did the job. I mean, he's kneeing him. He's he's showing this was a Muay Thai style knockout, is what this was. I mean, he came with a close, tight Muay Thai game that he switched up to in the middle of that round and, and just crumpled Suhudo. And I was I was like, okay, now he's – he. people said he didn't have knockout power when he started, but then he starts knocking people out. Now people, you know, people said he didn't have dirty boxing or inside work. He was all just footwork and movement. Now he came on the inside on somebody, put some knees right up in his ribs, and took him out, you know? So what is, what is left? I mean – he might actually be the pound-for-pound pound champ. I don't know if I believe in these pound-for-pound pound rankings, but, you know, all said and done, currently fighting right now, he might just very well be it.
2: Yeah, I could see that for sure, man. Uh, I know I think Joe Rogan said that at the end. He thought he was, um, and I could see that for sure.
0: Well, and it's tough because leading in, and this is a great segue into to the, the title fight, which is another fight I want to talk to you about because I'm sure you got some yeah. good opinions on this thing. You know, the guy who a week ago today I would have said is still the pound-for-pound pound champ, no matter what anybody said, would be John Bones Jones. This fool has had a career. And other than the one asterisk blemish on his career from Matt Hamill, you know, yeah. it is really undefeated. And But we're not just talking undefeated like normal... Guys, we're talking like beat former champions, beat the best in the world, you know, and has really taken it to a whole division. Outside of the ring troubles aside, John Bones Jones was a nightmare for that whole division. And I said this on my podcast last week that he takes it to guys with their style, with their style. And he said the scariest thing last week. He said that he was going to fight. OSP Southpaw. He's not a Southpaw. (laughs) And sure enough, when that bell rang, I'm like, oh my God, John Jones just did it. He went lefty. And I think it really did throw OSP off to the point where OSP started standing traditional halfway through that first round. And I know Jones looked a little rusty, but you got to give him credit for the fact that something he did at the very beginning of the fight probably won him the whole fight easily. By throwing OSP off right from the very start.
2: That's that's the biggest thing about him, man. He always, like you said on that uh, on your podcast, he always fights the other guy's style. He did with chale. like he did, you know, everybody. He always goes in their way, and he freaking just—it's unreal the things the guy can do when he puts his mind to it. And you know, he—he's been out for a long time, still a little bit of rust, and OSP landed a couple good shots, you know.
0: He did. Um, He's a tough guy.
2: I was there at uh, Force Nashville, man. Uh, Ost was in the dark match, and uh, the one where the brawl broke out between uh, the DS crew. Oh yeah. And Miller and all that stuff. I was there, and Ost's wife was literally right next to me. Oh and my gosh. She was, and he knocked the dude out in 11 seconds, and she was screaming her head off. She was, like, "That's my husband. That's my husband." And it, it was awesome, man. And so I've kind of always had like a fundamental spot in my heart for him, being there, you know, literally right next to his wife and seeing how happy she was, you know. That, that, that's just awesome to see someone uh, do that because he was on kind of, his career started kind of iffy. He lost some. Right. Uh, he, he was on a, like, a, he had a losing record at the time, I think, when I seen him. And then he started building the thing and he got the UFC and he did well. And uh, he, he looks pretty good, but Jones, man, I think. I think he's still going to be the... I think he's going to get back on the track and he's going to be the pound-to-pound pound king, man. That's what I
0: think. Well, I mean, I think the real question stemming from this fight, you know, for anybody who didn't see it, basically, John Jones won. It was a very clear victory, but at the same time, it wasn't the same level of excitement that John Jones normally brings. It wasn't quite as clean and as crisp. He didn't really yeah. hurt OSP uh, visually that much. But we found out after the fact that uh osp had a broken arm (laughs) you know which is like okay that's no joke and and kudos to osp for staying in there that whole time i don't know exactly when the break occurred um but geez you know but at the same time you would think that if john jones put that kind of hurt on another man you expect to see a little more of it in the ring you expect to see him take that dude out and and we didn't really see that from john this time i think a little bit of that killer instinct was not quite there. He says it was because of the last minute replacement. Um, Who knows? I don't know if that's really what would cause him to be a little off his game like that or not, but, you know, I can't take it away from the man one way or the other that he went in there. He did what he had to do to win. And uh, yeah, maybe it wasn't as impressive as we all expected, but kudos to OSP for
2: that. I feel like uh, I feel like John Jones is kind of like uh, he, he takes emotion into things, you know. Uh, when he fought Rashad, um, he said he. I felt like he could have finished him a couple times.
0: Yeah, but for I felt sure. like
2: he didn't do it because it, of respect, you know. So I don't know if uh, he was just thrown off because he wanted to kill Daniel Cormier so bad, and he just just wanted to beat OSP. You know, I, I don't know if it was just ring rust or whatever, but I felt like. Maybe he fights in motion or something. I don't
0: know. Well, I think that Mm -hmm. is the one thing to still look forward to, though. That is the element that wasn't present in this fight. There was not that level of distaste and dislike for each other that Jones and Cormier have that you are going to get when they fight again. Um, At this point in time, it's Tuesday afternoon right now. We're recording this. It has not been announced whether or not they're going to be on UFC 200. That could come out tomorrow. Cormier was at the doctor's office yesterday getting his MRIs done. I'm sure Jones is waiting on his medical clearances from his fight, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's good to go. So that announcement could happen. And I think that, that that vitriol and that hate that these guys have, I mean, it is like something we see in wrestling. But in wrestling, they write most of that. You know, it's not always a shoot. These guys... I really think it's pretty much all shoot. You know, they may come up with a couple of fun, funny things to say here and there, but it's because they legitimately do not like each other. I mean, after the fight, you know, John Jones was very respectful in the ring and everything, and as he's walking away, Cormier's sitting there doing commentary. He throws him the bird. It still happened. Yeah, he gave him the finger as he's walking out of the cage, and I was about to turn it off and turn on the post-fight stuff, and, uh, it, yeah, I, there he is. John Jones flips Cormier off, and Cormier's just sitting there like, "Man, I just talked nice about you through this whole match, and here you go starting this shit again."
2: The money fight, dude. There's so much money, like everyone's just gonna throw their fucking cash at that. It, it's gonna be some big shit. The whole lead up, the press conference. I mean, the last time they had to break them the fuck apart, and it was a huge ordeal. Oh yeah, Cormier so, I mean, threw a bad. shoe at him. <laughs> yeah. This time, who the fuck throws a shoe, honestly, man?
0: I know. You know?
2: I mean, uh, fucking, it's going to be unreal to leave at this time. It's going to be crazy. I can't wait. You know, when this gets announced, whenever the fucking happens, it's going to be great. You don't? you think they're going to do it now? You think they're going to try to do 200? You don't think they'll try to save it? Well, I mean, the
0: real question, the real question is, for guys like you and me, does that fight supplant Diaz versus McGregor? Is that fight big enough to make us not mad at the UFC if this Conor McGregor thing doesn't get wrapped up? Because as of right now, Conor's just trolling the Internet, saying, I'm back on the card, everything's fine, much respect to Dana and Lorenzo. And Dana is out there saying that that's complete nonsense and the fight is not back on. It absolutely is not happening at UFC 200. Stay tuned for fight announcements. I mean, so I think the real question is, you know, Is Jones-Cormier big enough for us fight fans to not be mad at the UFC for losing McGregor-Diaz?
2: I think I would rather see Jones-Cormier. I think so, myself. I think so, too. Yeah. (laughs) I think so, for sure. It's it's an actual competitive—I mean, to me, it's more competitive because I feel like McGregor McGregor was—I mean, I don't know. He he looked really strong in the first round, but— He beat the shit out of Diaz, and if he could not knock Diaz, what's going to happen next? I don't know. I I don't know. I just feel like he needs to send that 145-pound belt. That's what he needs to do. That's what I think he should do. Well, I think Dana Um, wants
0: him to do that, too, and I think think that's part of why this whole thing has gone as far as it has because I think Dana's sitting there going, look, Connor, you asked us for this damn fight. I mean, no one should forget that. Connor booked that fight. Connor booked himself versus Diaz at UFC 200. Dana was like, all right, we'll make a couple bucks off of it. Sure, we'll go for that. But I don't think Dana was ever over the moon about that fight. I don't think anybody was. Now, it started to become something. And now I think with all this hubbub, people want to see it even more. But I think that, that people are starting to forget that this is a fight about nothing. It's a guy that Conor yep. already lost to. It's a guy that's bigger, that's got good hands and a strong chin. Um, it's not a great fight for Conor. And sure, it'd be fun to see him try it again to see if he could pull it off. But it doesn't have any narrative other than that. It has no other storyline other than these guys are going to say, F you a bunch to each other. And then they're going to get in there and they're going to fight hard. We know that, which is entertaining for us fans. But there's no belt on the line. There's no real legacy on the line there Um and people say no connor's got to do it for his legacy and blah 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 what if he wins so what they're one and one great then we have to see a rubber match and they're both 35 awesome like i don't care (laughs) you know exactly and and i just think that the, the luster from this fight is starting to wane and i think it's bad news for connor because i think there are other big fights you know robbie could still get moved on to that card uh, Robbie versus Tyron Woodley or maybe GSP if they could bring him in or something like that could easily go on that card and be bigger than a Connor fight. The The John Jones-DC fight is bigger than the Connor nate fight, you know, and arguably yeah. the Jose Aldo-Frankie Edgar fight could potentially be bigger. I mean, it's got more ramifications at this point because that belt is most likely going to turn into the real belt at this point if Connor doesn't seriously get his act together and go back to 145.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. And, uh, and I mean, Edgar, I think, could beat Connor at any time, honestly. I, that was the one guy I thought would take him because Edgar's just his chin is unreal. I mean, uh, you know, Gray Maynard beat him like a freaking, I don't even, it was, a, it was like a murder in the ring. He just bounced around and came back.
0: Yeah, and Gray you know, and Gray's uh, a big boy, too. I mean, Gray is, yeah. is probably as heavy handed as Connor. Um, yeah.
2: And so, I mean, I, I, I feel like the, that Edgar was a guy that, that Connor did not want to fight so um, I don't know you know uh, I feel like that, that, that could be, be a big deal you know that that should probably become the main belt because I don't think Connor if he fucks around some more and he goes against Nick again I think he might lose again and I don't know what he'll do after that because he's already talking about retiring after one loss honestly
0: yeah. I, I want to see Connor messing around I want to see Connor become more of a Chael Sonnen character I want to see him get big fights that don't necessarily matter where he can hype it up talk to talk go again go in there against somebody that we all know is fun like diaz i like connor in that role better than trying to hold up a whole division or to take on all comers at 145. he told that story he sung that song it was really entertaining to watch um, he pulled it off, Maybe whether it was luck or skill. And I'm not saying the guy's not skilled. He's very skilled. But, you know, he was facing some tough guys. He had some good circumstances, like the short notice on Chad Mendes, I think, was very good for Conner. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know if I want to see him down there really trying to hold up that whole division or even being in the mix. And I think him going back down to 145 and losing is more of a career killer than him messing around at 155 or losing again to Diaz. Um, you know, and I like I like what he does for the sport. I love him talking smack because we're wrestling fans. Let's be honest. I'm a wrestling fan. I love what Connor does, man. And when he oh, posted yeah, that re- when he posted that retirement tweet, the the thoughts of him possibly going to WWE or into wrestling blew my mind. I mean, I can't even see the guy wrestling. Like, who knows? He probably can't even wrestle. Like, he can't even probably do a leg drop. But just the fact of seeing that guy talk on the microphone on a regular basis lit my mind on fire.
2: (laughs) I I mean, I love it. That's what I I was all for. That's what I wanted to happen. That's what I voted on your poll. I voted WWE. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't want to see that guy just talk? I paid money to see him talk. I mean, how many exactly. people have that kind of charisma out there? I mean, he's one of the few. He's one of the few.
2: He's got the gifts, man. He's one. He's he's a big money draw, and and I think I don't know the reason why I I don't want him to lose as long as he loses over and over, you know. After he loses so many times, then how many times can he can have a you know a convincing sell with just his his mouth, you know? And if he loses to Diaz and he does some more bigger fights with bigger guys. Um, and he keeps losing, I mean, what will happen then, you know?
0: Well, I think as both of the Diaz brothers themselves have proven, there is a certain thing about how you lose, too, that will determine that, I think. I think if all yeah. of the losses um, are as ugly as I think that one was to Diaz, I mean, Diaz really caught him, and he did tap a little bit fast. Not that I wouldn't tap that fast myself, but at the same time, Like, you know, it did not look good. And if uh, there's a lot of them like that, then you got a problem. But if he's in there and he's losing decisions and he's banging out fights and putting on exciting fights that are competitive, uh, I think he could lose eight or nine times before it becomes a real problem. But he has to be, be in there and be competitive like Nick Diaz, like Nate Diaz, like those kind of guys are, like even Robbie Lawler through a lot of his career. I mean, nobody thought yes. Robbie Lawler would be a champion at this point in time. And nobody oh. even thought that he was going to hold the belt through these fights that he's had. But he's going in there and he's slugging it out. And I'm here to tell you, just like Rory McDonald and, and, and Robbie Lawler, just like these fights are just barn burning bangers. And if Conor has those kind of fights, he can stay around forever. I mean, maybe that's not good for his health. Maybe that's not good for his longevity. And maybe he doesn't want to get beat up like that. But at the same time, I think if you're an exciting fighter, you can lose and it's fine. And we look at it just like wrestling. Then we look at it like, oh man, you went out there, you did the work, you know, you didn't get over that time, but we'll see you next time. And we'll be happy to see you down the line. You know, I hope Connor can stay in that kind of mix.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, if it's paying for his Ferraris and his uh, (laughs) expensive suits and stuff, I'm all for it. I mean, he he has the mouth, you know, I mean, it's always entertaining to build up. Um, I just, you know, I want him to be, as long as he can stay uh, competitive.
0: Right. As long as he can
2: stay competitive.
0: And that's the real trick. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. Hopefully uh, we'll get some more news about this UFC 200. And J-Man, you are always welcome on this podcast, my friend. We're definitely going to have you back. I want to have you on one of these times when I have Byron and Casey with me so we can all Uh-oh. talk some lucha too, because I really want to talk to you at some point about some of your temple experiences. And uh, you, you and I both know we can't talk about all those until they air. Um, But I definitely want to have you on the show where we can talk about the first Lucha Underground that we were both at together, for sure, brother.
2: All right, man. That that sounds good. And uh, next time we come back, Urban's coming, man. We've already booked flights and stuff. I'm not going to say any dates, but it's happening.
0: All right. Well, I got to be there then. I got to make sure I'm there. I travel a lot, but at the same time, I will go out of my way to be at that one, because I still have not met Urban.
2: (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. You're in for a treat.
0: He's like the one person in the whole Lucha click that I have not met yet. So, Urban, me and you, brother, we gotta dance. You gotta show up, I gotta show up. We gotta both be there at the same time. We gotta do this.
2: He's ready. He's booked his flight, man. It's done, Urban's in.
0: All right, well, I'll be there. I'll be there with, with my new Lucha click Rudo shirt on.
2: <laughs> all right, brother, that's large as the butcher to design that one, man.
0: Yeah, and all of you people listening, you better get on ProWrestlingTees.com right now and get that shirt. Get all your Last Real Heels merch, baby. I'm putting the plug in for them because I'm buying that stuff, so you better be buying it too.
2: Damn right. Sounds good to me. Watch out for LuchaClick.com. Big things are coming.
0: Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. All right, brother. I will get to chissy on the other side. Let me get back to the rest of this podcast. All
2: right. Thank you, brother.
0: All right, big thanks to J-Man for basically filling in for Byron, sorry ass, but Byron doesn't really talk a lot of MMA anyway. Um, so thanks to J-Man for calling in, doing us a solid, man. I really appreciated talking to you about that stuff. And like I said, J-Man is another one of those guys that really knows his stuff, dude.
2: hmm
0: Um, so when we recorded that, that was Tuesday, people. And as you heard us say, we we were pretty, you know, confident that. Something was going to get announced the next day at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Sure enough, it did. Your new headliner for <laughs> UFC 200 is John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. D.C. Uh, I'm um, a big D.C. fan. You're a big D.C. fan. Okay. Here's how I feel about D.C. I think D.C. is the Roman Reigns of oh, UFC.
1: Oh, no
0: he's getting booed left and right nobody really wants him to see the belt i feel like the belt's not even really legitimate that's on him like he's not a real champion he's just holding it because other dudes are out because there's no cena there's no (laughs) like dc is the roman reigns of ufc sadly for wwe (laughs) i don't know who the john jones for wwe is though because at least in UFC we've got John Jones. Ooh, I don't know who no. would be the John Jones in this situation. There isn't
1: one. No, that's kind of the
0: problem with Roman Reigns right like now. Like it would be Dean Ambrose if they turned him. Maybe. I maybe. Don't know. I don't know. So, but we got the big announcement. Um, this means a couple of things that are pretty big in the MMA world. It means that Conor is probably <sighs> definitely not going to be on UFC 200. It looks like Dana's really not backing down. Um, even in the press conference, he's saying you know, you know we'll probably see Connor on a two hundred one, two hundred two, or two hundred three. Yeah, that also means that he's not really considering Connor for the Madison Square Garden card. I which know...
1: sucks, man. That's that's such a huge show. Yeah, uh-huh. Connor's
0: coach John Kavanaugh even said that uh, he was really bummed out that uh, if Dana was going to lord the MSG show over them or punish them with that, because... it's kind of a dick move there. I mean, I I don't know, man. This, this, this reek, this smells of Dana really sticking it to Connor at this point. Like Dana's just kind of like, yeah, bro, you might be our biggest fighter, but you're still just a fighter and we're the promotion. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like on one hand, it's like, you got to live up to your obligations. You got to live up to your contracts. Um, but I also don't know if I believe personally that one person isn't above the fray. Um, Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. as a fan of MMA, I love what Conor's done for the sport. I love the things that he's out there doing. Just like, you know, when Hogan came on WCW <laughs> and turned and people were throwing sodas and stuff at Mean Gene and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it like changed my whole childhood and I popped for it. I started watching wrestling again and hadn't been watching a ton of wrestling. That that started the whole Monday Night Wars. So whether you like... Hulk Hogan or Hollywood Hogan or Terry Bollea, whatever you want to call the dude. Yeah. Whether you like him or not, there's that moment in time where it's like, "Oh my god, this dude started the game and made the game big in his big first run and then he changed the game again." Yeah. Became the top heel. That's just came a oh. top heel. I feel that way about Conor McGregor to a certain point and mm-hmm. like, "Okay, he had his his Hulk Hogan run and I'm waiting for the 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 moment where now maybe because there is this issue with him and dana and the the Mm -hmm. brass at ufc for him to basically go hollywood mystic mac like oh shit i want to see the big turn where maybe he just turns on everyone and he goes totally psycho like i honestly i wanted so bad to see conor mcgregor show up at this press conference fly himself in sit in the front row and just be like how come i'm not on the card
1: yeah, ask that <laughs> question. How, wave a ticket in the air, you like, know. Oh, are man. you afraid of
0: another four hundred million dollars? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, I just—I don't know. I kind of
0: want to see Connor go full heel at this point in time and just
1: the imitations just kill me. Throw up so.
0: fingers to everyone right now. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: He needs to. He needs to be as hated as the Diaz brothers. Well, and, and here's why the Diaz brothers are so
0: hateable and so lovable at the same time. Nate Diaz was not at this press conference. Dana gave him a chance to be at the first one. But Mm -hmm. all that Nate said at the first press conference was like, yeah, man, if it ain't Connor, then whatever. I don't care. Fuck it. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty much what he always says. Like the dude at this point in his career is like, he just made his biggest paycheck ever. So he's not exactly hurting for money. I mean, no. if, if he's still living on the budget he was living on before from getting $40,000 a fight right. to now getting 500,000 <laughs> plus pay-per-view points or whatever, like he probably made a cool million dollars off in that last I fight. Think,
1: I think Meltzer said he made well over a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, I'm fight. thinking he probably did and it probably helped
0: him with his outside sponsorship. But and fuck whatnot. Dave Meltzer, just saying. But so, anyway, I mean, the guy's just like, yeah, if it's not Connor for big money, I don't care. Like, I don't think he wanted to hear other big names being thrown at him. He nah. didn't care about hearing Khabib's name or even GSP's name, I don't think. I'm not fighting
1: fucking Khabib if I'm... Deep, well, so,
0: yeah. anybody who's fighting Khabib is crazy. Yeah. Part of the reason why I like uh, Tony Ferguson, El Kakui, because I think El Kakui will be the guy to step up and fight him. And win or lose, I think it's going to make both of those guys finally into the stars that they probably should be. Um, you know, and I know J man is a big Khabib fan and I'm a big dude. Who Tony is Ferguson it, fan. That's why we need to see that fight. We need to get that fight yeah. back on the books. Dana, please give us that fight. Give us Khabib versus Ferguson. Oh, yes, please. please. We need that fight. So, I mean, I'm
1: going to fucking buy the show anyway, but come on.
0: Yeah, that's a big fight. And I was, I was sad when that one fell apart. So, um, you know, I don't, I was looking down the card and it's like any of these fights, except maybe Sage Northcutt's fight could,
1: be a headliner of a Fox sports card. Right, right. You know. And, and man, it's two hundred. This is it this is amazing to me as someone who's been a fan since UFC two. Right. That it's at two hundred right now. It's just fucking nuts, man. Right,
0: and this and this is for a company too that's not numbering every single show. Like the Fox no. Sports shows and the in the Fight Pass shows and the regular Fox uh, shows don't even count in that number. No, I don't even know how many total UFC events there've been, but in the past oh, few man. years, man, they have stepped it up. I mean, seems like there's one every week now. Well, yeah, and it's like it—it it, it was amazing four years ago when they went to almost the WWE model of doing a pay per view every month. Right. You yeah. know, that was like everyone was like, "Oh, that's too much MMA. This will never work." Mm-hmm. And at first, it was a little slow. There were some serious duds. There was a couple cards in there that. I either didn't pay for and I went to like a B Dunst or someplace to watch them, or when I did pay for them, I was like, yeah, I could like to have that $50 back in my pocket. There
1: were some regrettable shows in there, there was a couple,
0: but then it started to pick up. And I think the good part about it was UFC realized the need for stars to a certain extent. And they did have an issue where for a while, like John Jones, Anderson Silva, and GSP really, like, were their only stars. Like, they had kind of Kane and Junior at the top, but those guys weren't fighting that much. And Shane Carwin was in and out. And, like, the the belt up at the top was moving around too much to really make a huge star after Brock was kind of out of the picture. Right, and
1: 205 would move around
0: a lot. But that's what I liked about 205. (laughs) Well, 205 got really exciting in the period between Chuck Liddell and John Jones. Right, right. Nobody seemed to be able to hold the belt for more than a fight. Like, Forrest Griffin had it for one fight. Rashad had it for one fight. Machida had it for a couple, I think. Shogun had it for a little bit, like... Uh, what, Rampage. Oh, like, every like the yeah. belt
1: just moved, man. That 205 belt was just like the hot potato. As opposed to now where most of the belts are moving like because of injuries and shit, that just kind of... There's a lot of interim stuff going on in the last year or so. It's
0: well, and it goes to, to DJ's credit from his fight this past week that he it, he says he doesn't want to jump up. A lot of people are calling for him to fight Dominic Cruz or Dillashar, maybe move up to 135. But right. I mean, the guy has earned the right to just dominate at 125 if he really wants to. It's not ever going to pop huge numbers. But if that's the legacy that he wants, that he was the most dominant, the first and only right now UFC flyweight champion and then one of the most dominant champions of all time, if that's the Mm -hmm. legacy that he wants to leave,
1: I think that that story itself can become exciting after a while. And I mean his fights are exciting as fuck, man. I I just I just love the speed to everything in these lower weight classes. And see, that's the other thing that they did that they that made these pay-per-views monthly better is we have women fighting and we have more weight classes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's been some talk. They've announced uh they've announced a flyweight women's fight now, I think. So oh. there's been some talk and people are wondering and, and cyborg is coming in and fighting at a catch weight 140. Mm. So I mean potentially in UFC you could See a 125 belt, yeah, something in between their, their two current belts. And then you could potentially see a 145 belt or division up above it. I mean,
2: I, I would feel bad draw. for
0: Invicta because I really like Invicta. But, you know, being realistic, yeah. it's not as big a show. And I love you, Julie Kenzie, and I love what you and Shannon are doing with Invicta. At the same time, UFC might just raid you guys out. But, yeah. but if there's still... I think there's still room for Invicta, even if they do add more women's weight classes in the UFC. And I think that Dana's was smart in playing it slowly. Mm-hmm. You pick two weight classes that you can push a lot of fighters into. But there's a lot of fighters right now that would benefit from having um, some different weight classes. Like, I think maybe uh, you see a Jessica I. She's been really good at 135 in the women's division. But I think mm-hmm. maybe she could get down to 125. And right there, she could be a dominant force and be yeah. a name in 25. And I think there's yeah. a couple other fighters that
1: because she is small for her division. Yeah, <laughs> I think is... there's
0: a couple other fighters that that went up or are cutting too much to get down to 115 right now. Yeah. Um. You know, so maybe another division in there. Maybe there are finally enough fighters that it could be exciting. I think they were right to hold off. And maybe they do another Ultimate Fighter where they bring in a, a bunch of those girls at that weight, but it, yeah, make that the tournament again. Yeah, yeah, and that would that would raid Invicta again probably, which would stink for them. But Invicta's done a great job of of rebuilding their ranks and you know filling in those gaps where they lost the one thirty five and one fifteen. So you know maybe they can you know take more time and with the help from UFC rebuild those divisions because I think it is a good second place for women to be fighting. Um, I'm looking forward to the Brazil card. I'm looking forward to to UFC 200. I got to watch this uh, Jones-Cormier-embedded did you hear the fire those guys were spitting at each other at the press I love conference? It. it is
1: wrestling. It is so great. I mean, but I don't even... Uh, it's, but it's not Because it's no. a shoot. No, it's a shoot. They fucking hate each other. Because, okay, like, oh DC God. knows what he's doing, though. I mean, the guy grew up a huge-ass wrestling fan. If you've ever heard him on, you know, Stone Cold's podcast or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, he knows his shit. And well, he knows he's what he's student, doing. He's
0: a student of the game. But he, I think...
1: he memes everything he is saying. I, I agree. <laughs> It's when, not they're not gonna shake hands and be friends after this fight.
0: But he's a student of the game. Like when he knew he was doing commentary on UFC one ninety seven, he went and watched like every fighter's fights that he was doing. He did the fight pass, he did the main event, mm-hmm. he talked very neutrally about John Jones the whole time. Um mm-hmm. me and J Man just were talking about how he he, you know, John Jones threw him the finger at the end of the fight, but it was almost kind of jacked up because DC was actually very favorable to John Jones in the commentary in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, but he couldn't hear it. He probably thought the dude was burying him the whole time. <laughs> well, but at the same time, he wasn't burying him. And it I swear to God, it almost makes Cormier more of a heel. That he is so nice, that he's this Olympian, that he's this smart and intelligent, that he can get on Fox and wear the suits and be the commentator. I think it makes DC just less likable because he's hes the guy that none of us can be.
1: Yeah. That's I can true. be
0: John Jones. I can get pulled over. I can be a fuck up. Like I can, I can go to the club on the weekend and do some blow and this, that, and the other thing. Like, but I can't be Daniel Cormier. I'm never going to the Olympics. I'm never sitting on a Fox desk. I mean, yeah. given I'm never going to be John Jones either. Cause I'm never going to be a champion, but
1: that guy, fuck man. He's but, great. But
0: <laughs> at the same time, I feel like, I feel like crowds are popping for John Jones right now because he's more realistic He's somebody that they can see. They want to see his redemption. They want to see him back in the ring. Yeah. His performance this past week didn't do a lot for that. But looking at that fight you know, thinking about it now, it's like John Jones didn't come after it like we wanted him to. But at the same time, he put in good work mm-hmm. and he won the fight handily and OSP. Uh, was outmatched. John Jones came at him lefty, like I said, yep. with j man. <laughs> uh, and like I had predicted last week, when he said he was going to do that, he did do that. Don't discount that, people. It threw OSP off. And John Jones might still be one of the greatest out there. Don't judge him by that performance. Let's see what he brings against DC, somebody he's got a real game plan for. And I'm this excited. isn't a
1: warm up fight like the yeah. last one, right? Like, I mean, come on, that was that was his tune up bout before this one. And uh, you know, it being MMA, anything can happen. But come on, yeah, he fought I'm, the dude lefty the whole time. <laughs> That's just.
0: I, I got a couple of questions uh, on the internet about the Connor situation. Mm-hmm. So here's where here's where I think we're at right now. Dana has said that he that they're not finished. He said that at the press conference there might be. Obviously, some smaller matches added to the card. I think they're just going to wait and see who's healthy or who's available to fill in. Because yeah. they're still short a few a few fights. Yeah. Um, and I expect maybe one more big fight. I think they're trying to get one more big fight. If they don't get it, they'll be fine. They've got three belts at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, the women's belt, the 205 belt, and an interim 145 belt. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big top of card. That's as big as the first uh, UFC 100 was. It was three headlining fights. And the rest was kind of garbagey. Mm -hmm. Um, but so you've got that in place. Maybe we get one more big announcement. Um, I had people asking, do you think Connor will be at 200 this and the other thing? I don't Mm. think Connor will be there. I don't think he'll give them the satisfaction of giving their event any kind of rub if he's not on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that he may also end up headlining 201 or 202 or somewhere in there. Um, Which also, I think, means you will not see him fighting Frankie, Edgar, or whoever wins at 200 next. I think they're going to announce a different fight for Conor first. It may or may not even be Nate. Um, I hope it's Nate. It won't be Rafael Dos Anjos, and it won't be be Frankie or Jose, whoever's going to win that fight. I think your next Conor fight's either going to be back to being Nate, or it will be something else. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it even GSP or something. I don't know. Hey, I if think if it's they're GSP, still, that's great. I th- I still think they're trying to work GSP for UFC 200. I think the problem is just an opponent now. I think maybe they could slide him in, thought they could slide him in there with Nate. But I think mm-hmm. Nate was just like, no, I want Connor or forget it. Right. Even though the GSP fight would be, I think almost bigger than a Connor fight. For Take him, the money,
1: Nate. Take the money.
0: So well, but Nate's gonna do some negotiating with Dana this week. Dana's finally done with this press thing. We'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see where Nate lies. I think he'll talk to Connor this week. I think they'll try to line something else up for Connor. I don't think we'll see it announced until after the next UFC pay per view next month. Mm-hmm. So we'll get there, but don't expect Connor to show up at that event. I I think at this point, Connor's going to get the slap on the wrist to all of our dismay. It would still be a better UFC 200 if
1: Connor did get a fight for it. Right. I just. I just think he's got to bench him. And he's going to see a good buy rate for 200 as a fuck you to Connor too.
0: He is. It's not going to be as big as, as it could be with Connor. I think you get, you know, I, I think you get at least 25% more than what they're going to get if you put Connor on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, no UFC fans going to boycott. You guys can all say, oh, no, it's nothing without Connor." but at the same time, you're all going to buy it. So exactly. anybody who's listening to this podcast is probably already got plans to be watching UFC 200, even the yeah. wrestling fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sadly, that means that Dana, in this particular scenario, there's a lot of other scenarios where Connor would have won. Mm-hmm. I think with UFC 200, Dana wins this this battle, and that's just the final score. Yeah, yeah. So that's it for this week, folks um stay tuned next week hopefully byron will be back so we can just call him the bitch that he is for leaving us this week yeah fuck you byron yeah thanks byron thanks for nothing man (laughs) thanks for nothing just left us high and dry so and i hope you guys still enjoyed it last week's uh, episode was our highest rated episode ever so thank you to everyone who listened last week keep listening and until next time stay calm and stay in
2: the mix